0: Welcome to August 29th, 1988 in the Legacy Series. It is New York City. It is Madison Square Garden. Ladies and gentlemen, it is SummerSlam. That's right. After covering years of WWF in this series already, we are finally completing the Big Four. Where SummerSlam stands in all of that, to me, is the biggest mystery of them all. We kind of have an idea, having lived up till 2020, what it means to be in the Royal Rumble, what it means to go to WrestleMania. They're kind of locked in stone, at least eventually. Survivor Series so often it's four-on-four or five-on-five, but in the middle of the year is SummerSlam. Not as big as WrestleMania, maybe not as determined as Survivor Series. It kind of has a life of its own. It kind of does a thing of its own. And as I look at it in the beginning, I think about the summer, I think about yellow, I think about life and electricity. And you know what? The first hour of SummerSlam... Proved be wrong in every regard. But I'm standing by that concept because it also introduced to me one of the most electric main events I have ever seen, not just in this series, but in my life. There is a lot to cover today. I also feel like under our noses, we may be introducing kind of the 2.0 talent in the WWF If WrestleMania gave us Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper and Andre the Giant and Randy Savage and the Hart Foundation and the British Bulldogs, Heenan and the family, SummerSlam and 88 and the late part of this year going into the years to follow, the ultimate warrior is on the rise. Isn't it funny in a time where Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage have not yet even decided that they need to clash The man that will run through both of them is on the rise. When you look at Survivor Series 88, the Blue Blazer, who will main event SummerSlam 1994, is on the card. The Rockers with Shawn Michaels is on the card. Demolition will birth the powers of pain, and that will ultimately birth the Legion of Doom face-painted, colorful tag team stars. Big Boss Man is here. Akeem is on the way. Brother Love. And the Brother Love show is now prime time. Even the Brainbusters are on the way. Ladies and gentlemen, the WWF is moving and shaking. SummerSlam is here. Let's celebrate. Let's get into it. Grab your shovels. The unearthing continues, ladies and gentlemen. I am the mystic, and I am joined by my friend and co-host by God. My learned colleague, Mr. Ms. Fan, the brain.
1: Greetings, Ms. Fan fans. Thank you very much, uh, Lord Mystic PhD, for that very kind introduction. As always, it is the first ever SummerSlam. Somewhere out there, a little Ms. Fan is seven, almost eight months old. He doesn't know about wrestling, he doesn't know about much of anything, but. Miss Van here in 2020 knows a lot about wrestling and about SummerSlam, so we got the very first one here. I love that framing. Indeed, we are seeing uh, maybe the second generation of wrestlers of this era coming to the forefront. We've got Hulk Hogan and Savage still, but here's the Ultimate Warrior. We've got Andre, but here comes the Big Boss Man. We've got a lot of people coming in tonight, and uh, we got some other people who maybe are not going to be so important after today so it's going to be a lot to talk about it's a full loaded show i am excited let's get into it
0: so let me ask you let's stand back from the particular card we will get into all of that when you think about just the royal rumble wrestlemania summerslam survivor series as concepts as pay-per-views like how do you see summerslam in relation to them and Like, what are just your personal feelings, maybe, about this show and the others in the Big Four?
2: I'd say
1: SummerSlam, to me, is probably the least of the Big Four, or at least the least interesting to me, because there's nothing necessarily unique about it, I suppose. I think uh, a lot of people would maybe name Survivor Series there, but I appreciate, at least in theory... The five-on-five concept, and I think when it's done well, there's a uh, little that's better. Whereas SummerSlam, I don't know. It's like WrestleMania Junior. It's kind of just like any other big show, um, but in the summer. Uh, <laughs> so in the first few years, it's gonna the the kind of hallmark was gonna be a big tag team match, and here that came off well. I don't know if that'll be true every year. We'll have to watch and see for ourselves. So I don't know, it's a good show. It's an exciting show. I'm excited to talk about this one. It's got its ups, it's got its downs, but uh, SummerSlam in general is not exciting in the same way to me that maybe it is to you.
0: Okay, that's, that's good. I think I fully accept WrestleMania Jr. as a critique. I think uh, that's very succinct. Um, I think I like it. I'm not even saying I'm going to like it when we do it because uh, I like it as an idea. I think for the very reason that you kind of don't like it, I do like it, is that... It almost is that wild card. It has the least expectation on it, so it can be a lot of different things. I also like the vibe of it, but yeah. the fact that I don't remember barely any matches from the history of SummerSlam tells me that either I'm going to be pleasantly surprised a lot in this era, or I'm going to realize why I don't. So
1: I think it'll be some of both. You know, so It is a good show. Um, I've got uh, nothing against this SummerSlam or any SummerSlam, really. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there are some that I will like better than others, but like being fourth out of the big 4 doesn't make you bad by any means, you know. We're not talking about um some pathetic little nobody show that nobody cares about that only happened once. Like this is SummerSlam. It's in the big 4. It's going to go mm-hmm. all the way. It's still going, you know. So it's it's got some momentum behind it for
2: sure.
0: That's a good point. I, I would say for those that listen and like the critiques and narratives that we bring forth, pay attention throughout the show because I don't really know where where we'll get to what. But there are a lot of striking ideas uh, that come out of this. Uh, for me, they don't come out of the first hour of the show, but um, there's a lot. There's a lot, 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 lot uh, to get into. So we'll do that. Um, this is Madison Square Garden, which Even that tells me, like, my narrative of SummerSlam is not accurate because (laughs) it just doesn't feel like a Madison Square Garden uh, pay-per-view, you know, in in my concept of it.
1: Yeah, did it even... I can't believe I didn't think of this, but did it even have the entrance across from the hard cam? I don't think it did.
0: No, that will be a decision that they'll make later in time because they won't capture that entrance, so they'll switch that up.
1: (laughs) But I, I feel like it... I feel like in some Madison Square Garden shows we've already had that. Maybe I'm imagining uh, that. And I'm now not sure. I'm story. really questioning myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I know I heard that eventually that will be the the decision because I think Vince McMahon wanted that to always be captured in, kind of in the in the picture. So, man,
1: that's so str- it's such a weird aesthetic decision. I guess just in the back of my mind, somehow I thought like they had to do it that way. Like there was a mm. special place they had to put their camera because they never do it anywhere else and vince McMahon to me is the type that like if he wanted to do something he would do it to excess um the nuance of doing it at just one arena like that never even occurred to me that that could have been a conscious choice so that's really interesting
0: i know there were moments early in the show where i was thinking this is not madison square garden like where is because madison square garden like we'll see at wrestlemania 10 yeah Uh, wrestle it is that it is that kind of different kind of entrance above almost all things there's not a long walk. It's and you're coming out like under the fans almost. But it doesn't feel a lot like it. And it's the thing with WWF. Like if SummerSlam was a WCW event, a lot of a lot more people would mock it and I would like it a lot better because it would have a particular look and theme all the time.
1: Yeah, it would have a beach or it would have yeah, yeah I don't know. I love those old stages for sure.
0: That's too. I kinda of wanted that. And it's weird though because like to me, I was not a big fan of the first hour, and then the second hour is really it. Only got better and better, and it was almost like at the very end of the show, I finally saw Summerslam written on the uh, uh, the the apron, and so it almost it almost took the show starting to feel like a, a good pay per view for me to see Summerslam and feel Summerslam. It was it was there the whole time, but I couldn't see it uh, in the beginning.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, there's one thing I'm going to praise earlier in the show, but I definitely agree insofar as most of the good stuff happens on the back half of the first SummerSlam. There's a lot of um, skippable stuff in this uh, first half here.
0: I'm sure I have it in my notes, but I'll go ahead and say this, and then I'll skip it when we get to it. But one of the big, big, big differences between this pay-per-view and any other, I think, that we have called, we have a commentary team of Gorilla Monsoon and Billy Graham, (laughs) So there are nothing but baby faces in the booth,
1: yeah, and one of those baby faces is Billy Graham, which I think uh, immediately exposed that we have been spoiled for yes. good color comedy. Not that he was like bad, he wasn't terrible. We'll definitely hear worse as we go, but uh, there's really something lacking, I think. And um, I don't know, like, it was never Billy Graham's job to be in this role. He still feels very disconnected from this era. And he definitely feels superfluous next to Gorilla Monsoon, who can make all the same points, but better.
0: Yes. And I think beyond that, for me, we have made the point that this is almost not a babyface heel era as much as this is. Everybody builds a narrative, then they drill down on it, then they go to war with each other. And then at the largest, most separated markers, like Hogan and Andre, both with their narratives, a year and a half of time passes. Smaller units of this um, is like promos on Saturday Night's Main Event where one person gives their promo with their narrative and then you got to wait for that one to end because they don't do stuff together and then the next one comes in. So those are just seconds or minutes apart, but they're still apart. What I realized is The smallest unit of these narrative battles where there's always tension, always conflict, always authenticity happens in the announce booth every night. And when you take that away, it almost doesn't matter what a lot of folks are doing in the ring because the frame is gone. And even though, like I said, it's going to be a great card before it's over. You really, really need that frame to be on the level that we've been on this whole time. And my god, do I miss Jesse Ventura and Bobby Heenan in that role.
1: Yep, yep. I, I was missing them as well, and it's a great way you put it. It does frame things a little bit differently, um, a lot differently, actually. So just have the Babyface Brigade fully taken <laughs> over the commentary booth, uh, Sam... It's not for me. It, uh, it it flattens the show out. It gives it a lack of nuance that, that we just
2: uh, don't need to appreciate here in the Legacy Series.
0: No, I can point out the moments while I'm watching it, Jesse and Cherry would have pushed back, and instead you got two people just agreeing on things that make no sense whatsoever. <laughs> and so it takes out attention because, like, everybody should know. I love this idea of not just, like, heel face or this narrative or that narrative, but competent person on this side and competent so that if you are on one li- one side or the other, you know when you go out there and wrestle, everything that you do is going to be called out by half the announce booth. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Whereas yeah. this one, 50% is just blind to them. So
1: <laughs> 50% of their monitor goes out all the time. Yeah. yeah.
2: So <laughs> we, we, we go right. Yeah, go.
1: Out. Oh my gosh. All right, one thing I want to say before we move on from yep. uh, Into the Matches. One thing that definitely signaled to me that we're in a uh, slightly different era now and that uh, popped me a lot, WWF, what the world is watching at the start yes. of this show. That that little logo and catchphrase, man, I, I must have watched that a hundred times when I was going through all the Heenan and stuff. It's classic. I love it. I was glad to
2: see it. <laughs>
0: Yes, floating horizontally over the water on its way to kind of rising up. It is. uh, We'll get several of those catchphrases through history, so we'll get to see more of those. And it's always classic. And again, it frames you know what the generation or what the era is trying to do. So I highly welcome uh, that. Um, We go straight to the ring pretty much. We got uh, as we said, Gorilla Monsoon and Superstar Billy Graham on commentary. And we got the fabulous Rugeaus going up against the British Bulldogs.
1: (laughs) The Rugeaus now are heels, and their gimmick is one of the weirder ones um, in history, because it's a little hard to quantify. Um, I put in my notes, insincere Americans. Do you think that covers it? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) It's like... They're, they say they're proud to be Americans, but they don't really act, quote-unquote, American, and they have American flags, but they're small, and the yes. babyface commentators will point out how pathetically small those <laughs> flags are.
0: Axl has the biggest flag in the land. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, is, it is something. Uh, the, in the babyface world of this era, like your patriotism can, in fact, be... Uh, measured by that, and it puts hacks all on one end, and the fabulous Rujos, who I think are trying to become Americans, but maybe not sincerely. So yeah, you're. I had never seen this gimmick. I did not know oh. that's what it was. So interesting.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, it's you, like foreign wrestlers in the WWF, Like they kind of had their thing. Like they would come out with their own flag and their own language, and they would sing their national anthem, and like it was kind of the same. Across the board, so it's like a little weird curiosity that you have this um, French Canadian team, and they aren't like they, they they do have the flags and they're saying like we want to be Americans and they even have a theme song either here or later about how they're all American boys and right. that that also makes them bad and it's just it's just not a gimmick you would expect to to see in this era. I don't know. There's something nuanced about it sort of but also not i don't know it's very hard to talk about this gimmick without feeling like you're going a little crazy
0: it feels like somebody working with vince decided to sneak a little nuance in so they heavily (laughs) took (laughs) compliments of vince McMahon's taste in order to get it by (laughs) because it is it's it's almost every single gimmick you see in this era but it is with a little bit of a twist on it
2: yeah
1: Uh, yeah and this is not an era for twists so to see one is just strange
0: that's a good point, though, because that's almost another reason they're heel is that kind of the duplicity of it. It's like, okay, they're not being straightforward, so obviously they are, you know, there's something sickening underneath all of that. Yeah, they're
1: they're, didn't, they're disobeying the, the drill-down rule, you know? They're, they're supposed to just have one thing, but they kind of have two things, and it's, yeah. it's like, you can't do that. It's not allowed.
0: I honestly don't know if it'll work. I don't know how big they will or won't be, but I, mm. I think... I think it is a struggle in this era to try to make people, you know, look at two things at the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think they'll be um, that successful. This is this is probably about as successful as they're going to be, so.
0: But Davy Boy is growing into his 90s body, and, you know, what, he, what he's doing now, he'll do in the 90s, you know. He military presses people, and he suplexes them for a long time. And by God, he doesn't do, you know, like, what is all this excess of other ideas,
1: yeah, I mean that's all he really needs to do. He just needs his dreadlocks now, and he'll be he'll complete yeah. the package. Yeah.
0: I think one of, the, one of the very few comments I wrote down from Billy Graham early on, which starts off, he determines who's going to win this tag match by um, look at the body of the British Bulldog. That's the difference in tag teams.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. uh, superstar Billy Graham is a body guy, and you can tell that through the
2: night for sure. <laughs>
0: I think the most irate he will be is when Jesse Ventura dares to flex with his clothes on done. You need to take your clothes off if you're going to be flexing. <laughs> yeah, all right, Billy Graham, calm down.
1: <laughs> yeah. Someday we'll do Billy Graham better justice, perhaps, yes. and uh, cover the time when he was relevant. And right now, I can't tell if they're, like, earnestly trying to find a good use for him or they're just like, Looking at his contract and saying, God, I wish this contract would run out. Well, I guess we got to do something because we're paying him a lot. You know, I can't tell which it is. Maybe both.
0: Yeah, I think maybe the second one, but I have no <laughs> way to say that.
2: Fair, fair.
0: And I don't care whoever your Jim Ross is, uh, you know, whichever baby face announcer you loved. Uh, you could put that person with a of monsoon and I don't want to hear this. Like I want to yeah. hear both sides of the story. I want the tension, you know, of the show to come through in the announce booth as well especially in an era
1: like this, like there are some eras where maybe you could just have a straight booth, but in a time like this, where it's supposed to be so heavily about the character, um, you are missing part of the picture without someone in there.
0: Yeah. I mean, we, when we get to the main event, I didn't expect much because tag team matches as main events. It's not that they can't be good, but they don't, they don't have me expecting. Right. And what I witnessed was the most one of the most electrified audiences and one of the, it's just it's amazing the height of energy that match is going to reach mm. and what it needed if I I didn't think it needed anything but you have a Bobby Heenan or someone screaming the other side in the booth is the only thing that it lacked
2: absolutely yeah
0: so what do you think of this one
1: um I I knew going in that they were headed for a draw, but even if I hadn't known that, I sure would have guessed it from the way they were wrestling. Um I'll say this till I'm blue in the face, long matches don't equal better matches. Um I don't know. This is like one of the matches that people will list when they're like recommending old SummerSlam matches, and I don't really get that at all. Um it just sort of limps along for 20 minutes. And then they hit the time limit, and I don't know. It wasn't awful, but I definitely felt like I could have skipped it easily.
0: Yeah. Uh, you could you could have cut off about half the match, and it would have been a few minutes too long for me. <laughs>
2: you
0: know, they all had a few things that they did that could be impressive, but then, again, and this won't be the only match I say this in, we're going to get bogged down with these. No, nah, they're not submission holds. They're... Uh, they're not supposed to be rest holds. I don't know what they're supposed. I'm holding you in place holds. I don't know <laughs> time what, limit what, draw holds. Yeah, time, yeah, we yeah, we're going to a time limit draw hold. And I don't have time for that. Like I, I, I can't stand moves that. I can't remember who it is on this show. So, someone's gonna apply a headlock, like our face, a face front face lock or something down on the mat. And then the person doesn't get into ropes, they don't fight out of it, just as sure as as they put the hold on and held it for like a minute, then they just let it off because nothing was ever happening anyway, and then they just stand up and they start over again. (laughs) Right? Okay, sure, I believe that because this stuff is never doing anything.
2: Right,
1: yeah, I I definitely try to be patient um, with holds and submissions, and uh, I try to look at what the goal is, but there are definitely times where it just seems transparent that the goal is to kill time, and uh, at some point it's just not exciting so you have to uh, hold that to task Mm.
0: yeah if, if you're not cranking the hold if it's not like working a body part like if you're just like flat in your hold i don't know what it's supposed to be doing because it's just like who would do that i don't even understand like who would lock on a hold that's gonna last about a minute and seemingly not even put pressure on and it just, uh, I don't know what to do with it. And so right. it's not for me. And this matches, I, I figured this would be one that we would disagree on, but you know, we're not. So <laughs> not much to say here.
1: Fair enough. Yeah. I don't You may keep expecting me to praise the British Bulldogs, but it's just not going to happen. So yeah. <laughs> they just, I don't know. They don't really live up to their hype at all. Like we talked about before. Um, so whether it's just the fact that they are post-prime or just the fact that uh, other people see something that I don't or if they're just coasting off their reputation, uh, I don't know. But uh, consistently, not very exciting, are the British Bulldogs, my opinion.
0: Yeah, and, you know, Dynamite's such a good man that I'd, I'd like to give him better here, but, you know, too bad. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't
1: really help. Um Well, as they, um, after the match ends, of course, uh, the theme of the era continues. The Bulldogs chase the Rougeaus to the back, uh, and Billy Graham urges them to finish their fight in the showers. So a few times Billy Graham reveals himself to be a little bit bloodthirsty here.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, it was a, it was a seemingly uninspired time limit draw. I think the best thing they could all do is just leave each other alone.
1: (laughs) Right. It's just not happening. You don't really have any reason to uh, dislike each other. You don't have any reason to do anything. So, yeah, you you don't have to go fight in the showers just because it excites Billy Graham.
0: (laughs) Oh, man, what excites me is the fact that uh, the matchup for the IC title that is on the card beefcake going one-on-one with Honky Tonk Man will not be happening tonight as we go to a video so, so visually disturbing that it will be censored.
1: (laughs) The first big red X that we will see. Um, yes, it is footage of outlaw Ron Bass, who I have not had much time for in the past, but now I will declare a true American <clears throat> hero of all time, beating up Brutus Beefcake with his whip in what is almost certainly a justified move. I don't need to see the evidence, Your Honor. I know that this attack was deserved and provoked and probably... Like, for the defense and justice of the entire community. So, because of this, because of this great hero, this great man, Ron Bass, Brutus Beefcake will not be at SummerSlam. So, God bless this legend of all time, Ron Bass.
0: God bless Ron Bass, yes. You know, he is a heel and a monster because he attacked Brutus Beefcake with a sharp object, whereas Brutus Beefcake would never attack anyone <laughs> with a sharp object. <laughs> For the love of god <laughs> there might have been someone to point that out had, to, had the announcement been balanced but you know
1: indeed indeed and it's um it's what we're talking about is there's it, it, there's no battle of good and evil in this era it's a question of oh did you use a, a two by four or a snake or a giant yeah pair of knives that make a scissors or did you use a, a whip or um or some handcuffs or you know like none of these objects are any different from each other it's all about uh whether you personally like the person who's wielding them or not
0: there are very few things that i would dread more than having a snake dropped on me simply because i wrestled a match right (laughs) are you telling me this is a world of good versus bad and a baby face covers you with a giant snake a heel puts money in your mouth (laughs) i I know which one i would choose between those
1: for sure, some uh, creepy pervert puts you to sleep and then starts cutting off your hair and mm. he's making that face and that's, man, that's creepy! That's something a creep would do. So, yeah.
0: But Bobby Heaton distracted the referee somewhere in the match. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, Bobby didn't like, he and his people, they don't even do things after the match,
2: you know? Nah. like Andre's ringside. A woman.
0: yeah, Yeah. Someone's at ringside, they don't have a manager's license, you know, that. <laughs> Those vagabonds. <laughs>
1: uh yes. The morals of this era are they—they um, are not consistent.
0: But justice paid off. Like there's, it's—it's it's, it's interesting because although neither of us are Ultimate Warrior fans, like, a man who will rise quickly to the I.C. title and become world champion happens in one minute just because you get Brutus Beefcake out of the way. Yeah,
1: and God knows. I I don't know, I don't listen to shoot interviews very often, so I don't know if there was a plan to do a rematch with Honky Tonk Man and Brutus Beefcake, I don't know if there was a plan to put that title on Brutus Beefcake, I will say, as much as I detest The Warrior, and I really do, he is a much, like, an infinitely better choice yes. here than Brutus Beefcake would have been on any level.
0: I'm convinced Beefcake and Honky Tonk Man would have been into the 90s with their feud <laughs> and have not been...
1: They just sort of limped their sad, pathetic non existence along together.
0: <sighs>
1: well, one of those things will happen anyway.
0: Grill so, yeah. Monsoon tells us there will be a challenger for the IC title. We have no idea who it is, but it will be the number one contender. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I suppose just by virtue of having the match, he'll be the number one contender. But uh, you'd think they would know ahead of time. This is not an organized era where people know where they stand.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because I think Gene's going to know. And he's going to try to tell Honky Tonk Man, but then Howard Finkel's not going to know. It's a very confusing uh, night as, as to how information is gathered and distributed.
1: Well, Oakland, he's prepping for the hotline, so of course he knows yeah. ahead of time.
0: That's right. He, didn't, he never spoke it, I don't think, so he could have easily said probably ten wrong names before he got to lawyer. <laughs> That's
1: very on brand for Oakland, I feel.
0: Yes. Yeah. So we're back at it. We got Bad News Brown going one-on-one with Ken Patera.
1: All right, right here is why I can't completely agree that the first hour is not uh, worthwhile because we do get a look at Bad News Brown, and he does everything I want him to do in this match. The moment Kempertero gets in the ring, he's getting punched in the face because that's how bad news goes. You can almost hear Jim Ross saying, bad news, bad news, <laughs> as he goes after him here. <laughs> um, Kempertero, we talked about, is far from his peak. He's not bad, but, uh, you know, he's just not... The Campetera of yesteryear. But uh, I don't know. I just really wa- enjoy watching Bad News Brown. Um, this is a very solid match. It did uh, kind of everything I wanted to. So I, I enjoyed this one at least.
0: <laughs> yeah, as I read the names, I realized which match it would be. So <laughs> Bad News Brown I enjoy as well. I didn't so much enjoy this match. But okay. the Ghetto Blaster, that kick being his finisher, like, is, I've now seen it twice. And it's still surprising me. So as long as that's happening, I will be a happy customer.
1: Absolutely, love Bad News Brown. He's a man.
0: I want to know who decided that he was going to do a, a random in-air kick because his finisher because it just it is thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoy it every time.
1: <laughs> it is weird because like <clears throat> he won't do anything fancy in the whole match and just basically punch the living shit out of the other person. But then, yeah, his finisher is like this fancy, elaborate kick to the back of the head. And he does it very well, but it is like it's very unexpected for his style.
0: Yes. So Bad News Brown is going to get the win in here. Clearly, uh, Ken Patera is on the downside. And Mm. Bad News Brown continues to be climbing the ranks at this point. Yep,
1: yep, and it's that uh, hierarchy, that guard we were talking about again. Um, Ken Patera definitely on the other side of that line now, and uh, probably sliding down.
2: Yes.
0: So we go to the back early on, Gene Uglin with the mega powers. Randy Savage, Elizabeth Hulk Hogan, red and yellow throughout. Um, the Hulkster is back Already he's talking about you can feel Madison Square Garden rumbling, brother, so the Earth is again ready to crack and explode under the return of the Hulkster. Randy Savage says he's never felt so much electricity as he places his hands over the belt around his waist as if it's going to gravitate, leave his body, and return to Hulk Hogan.
1: (laughs) I mean, it will in time, so (laughs) he he had a correct paranoia there.
0: So what do you think about these mega powers?
1: Oh, I'm wincing at Randy Savage in the red and yellow, I have yeah. to admit. He got so little time to himself and I kinda knew that he would. But um he had he had one show that we saw without Hogan and I know he had a it kind of there was a big gap in between those shows. But uh it is what it is. We knew it was coming. Um part of me wonders I gotta say, I wonder if Savage is glad that Hogan is back because uh we talked about there's a lot to carry by yourself, and uh, you put these two next to each other, and they can definitely stand next to each other. Uh, yeah. It's not like Hogan is eclipsing him or anything. So I don't know the the strange love hate relationship between Savage and Hogan continues apace.
0: Yeah, this was. I think this is what I like so much in part about the main event because Hogan is so hot in the beginning because he's been away. The fans definitely want Hogan. His ovations are bigger. But by the time he makes the hot tag to Randy Savage, from that point forward, it's equal ovations, and it's two of the loudest ovations I've ever heard. But they're distinct, one for Savage, one for Hogan. And having two guys that can lift the, the, the arena like that is not a bad place to be.
1: Yeah, no, very true, very true. Uh, I do like how they both, they they really can't stand next to each other. and There's very few guys that can really stand next to Hogan uh, in the 80s, so you have to appreciate what Savage accomplished, as far as that goes.
0: Yeah, I got a lot of ideas. There's a lot of moving parts. We're going to talk about Jesse Ventura is the referee. There's so much good stuff that we didn't cover, but we can get into in the video package. And then the Mega Powers say that they have a secret weapon, and that secret weapon is Elizabeth.
1: That's, I will have some comments about what that secret weapon is, but uh, we'll get to that when we get to it.
0: All right. So we're going to go back to the ring. We got Ravishing Rick Rude going one-on-one with the Junk Yard Dog.
1: <laughs> I'm guessing this match might have eclipsed uh, Bad News Brown and uh, wiped that match out of your mind. Because you look at this on paper, and you know what we said in the past. And you know we're not going to appreciate this too much. Um, yeah, it's it's not too good. It's slow. Um, chin locks. guys not moving around. And then the finish, which is very weird. Uh, The Rick Rude-Jake Roberts feud has started already, and we're going to spend a lot more time talking about that uh, on the next show, I think. And it is worth talking about. But you get a really weird moment where Rick Rude goes up to the top rope, and then, like, he pantses himself so that everyone can see. He has a second pair of tights that has Jake's wife's face on them. And then he like jumps off the top, and he's wrestling like with his pants around his knees. And it's just like there must have been a better way to do this because it looks so weird and awkward. And I I, I don't even know what to make of that.
0: I think it's the perfect symbolism for Rick Rude because <laughs> his wrestling doesn't matter. He can he's so slow and so and it's so irrelevant that he might as well have it around his his ankles because it's all the gimmick and the provocation. And so, again, JYD I guess is also on the downside. But man, I would not want to be the person booked and as the the nothing on the side for the Jake Roberts Rick Rude feud, where not only am I so irrelevant that you can wrestle me with your like first pair of tights down, yeah. but then Jake Roberts, who's my fellow babyface in the locker room, can come in and cause a DQ with me sitting in the ring, and my my match doesn't matter. So. I get that they're trying to advance that feud, but as a pay-per-view matchup, uh, it's, that's not working for me. If I find another way to do it,
1: yeah, no, there were definitely some problems in this. Uh, Junkyard Dog in a weird position as well, because like definitely there was a time he was one of the most uh, popular guys in the yeah. company, and he's still popular. Like a lot of fans, um, he, he got good reactions here, but he's also. Um, a guy who really cannot do much physically at this point, and uh, I don't know where he's at in his life, but I think uh, it's not going that great. And, um, I don't know. It's a weird mixture of things that were not that good in this match. Um, so, yeah, it, it could really only go so far.
0: I would slap slapped the shit out of Jake Roberts if I had been JYD, but that's neither here nor there.
1: Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's like... Yeah. If you just, like, you know Rick Rude, like, he, he this is not new. This is not something that Noah, he's never heard of before. If you want to fight him, fight him on your own time. Like, don't yeah. fight him exactly in the time that I am fighting him. Like, that's yeah. my match. Come on, man. So, I don't know. It did end the match, though, so you got yeah. going for it.
0: <laughs> Good point. Uh, yeah, so that one's going to be a disqualification and a run-in. So Rick Rude will get the win, and then Jake Roberts will stand in the ring while we visually watch him. Either explain to JYD or pretty much tell JYD to live with it. I don't know which one. (laughs) Uh We go to the back. We have Gene Okerlund, a very confident, very excited Honky Tonk Man and Jimmy Hart. And Honky Tonk Man will say in this promo, WWF, give me anybody.
1: Indeed, Honky Tonk Man doesn't want to know who it is. He doesn't care. He wants the surprise for himself and for everybody. Um, They do this interview in front of the green screen, and um, I like the green screen, but it feels weird on a pay-per-view. I was really expecting to see them like in the locker room or something. Like to me, the green screen is for the little promos on uh, Superstars and Wrestling Challenge. So that I, I was surprised at that.
2: Yeah,
0: this is a lot. There's a lot of weird stuff. We have a gathering of babyfaces in one locker room, and a gathering of heels later on in another. So. They're doing a lot of things, trying a lot of things.
1: They're waiting for Battle Bowl, of course. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so, the first hour. Well, I will let people at home decide if we're still in the first hour or if we're going to the second one when I tell them. Next up is Zukov and uh, Volkov versus the Powers of Pain.
1: I can guess which hour we're <laughs> in um, when you say Volkov and Zukov. So <laughs> the Bolsheviks are. Uh, there's that We've talked about this guard level uh where you're sort of like a gatekeeper for something higher on the card and then and then there's a level below that or maybe a couple levels below that and then you're really just a fancy jobber and that that's where the bolsheviks live right now
0: (laughs) i figured they were gone i think i've done that two or three times
2: but
1: they're gonna split and feud eventually um and nikolai volkov will be a face for a while so take that for what you will i don't know how much of that we'll see
2: but um
0: I think I forgot the existence of the Powers of Pain. Um, I think they will be disbanded when LOD... LOD will tell WWF that they're not coming in unless they break up down the Powers of Pain. Really? Yeah, because I think they're... The, the flagrant uh, similarities, they just don't... They don't want it, and it's clear which team would have to go of the two.
1: <laughs> uh, I Yeah, definitely so. Uh, you mentioned that, like... Demolition and Powers of Pain give birth to LOD, sort of, and maybe within the WWF uh, bubble, but of course we all know that uh, LOD is the grandfather of them all. So, um, yeah, Barbarian and Warlord, here they are. Man, I would have liked to see them wrestle, actually, uh, Powers of Pain and LOD. LOD can calm down a little bit. Like, I'm sure they would have won that feud. So if that was really their condition for coming, then I think they need to calm down a little bit. That's what I have to say about that.
0: (laughs) I don't think it's within their makeup to calm
2: down.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I suppose. I always thought um, Powers of Pain was like a a, a WWF creation, but they actually predated the WWF. That surprised me as well. Yeah, so... So, yeah, I mean, if they ripped him off, and I guess it's clear they did, but they did it on their own, so some initiative. I went into
0: this with an open mind, but and maybe some of the other matches will be better, but I just felt like this was on slow motion the whole time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like the powers of pain, actually, but uh, they're going to need a different kind of opponent, I think, than Volkov and zukov because they're just not. They're there so they can talk about Boris's big head, <laughs>
2: like they
1: always do. Um. Yeah, they're here. They're baby faces. Uh, very briefly, they're with the Baron, who is some short-lived nobody manager um, that will never exist outside of this little moment in time. Um, yeah, this match is not that good. Probably a the pain. They win, as you might expect. I think they will do some better things, but uh, this is not it.
0: Is the Barbarian using a shoulder block off the top rope or a head or headbutt?
1: I feel like it's a headbutt. Um, isn't that also
0: the british bulldogs then isn't that how they finish theirs or no
1: yeah but who cares about the british bulldogs (laughs) (laughs) i don't don't care i'll take the powers of pain over the british bulldogs if i'm being honest
0: just interesting with like five tag teams that two would have the same uh way of doing things yeah
1: usually they'd avoid that that's a good point i don't know
2: who knows
1: I don't know. I, I really like Barbarian, though. I gotta say, out of anybody, because he's the guy who's in there, and, like, he's throwing big boots, like, he's trying to take a head off, and he's... I, the way he moves, I, I appreciate Barbarian more and more, the more I see him.
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan of Barbarian. Um, I'm not... I'm more familiar with WCW time than his WWF, so I'll see how that goes. For sure. Okay, so... Next up is the Brother Love Show. It will have, like, streaming lights... Uh, as it goes on, this was... I feel
1: like bi- uh, this first hour is encroaching beyond the hour mark, so... <laughs>
0: this was billed as, like, one of the biggest moments. Uh, it was... I really built thought
1: up. someone else was gonna come out here, for sure, from the way they were talking about it.
0: Well, it was originally meant to be Ric Flair.
1: Really? Oh, yes. wow. Oh,
0: my god! So... They were hardcore negotiating with Ric Flair, and one or two times it, it seemed like the deal was done and they were going to introduce him. And then when that fell through, they tried to get either like a celebrity or a prominent, like controversial figure, and that fell through. And then at the last minute, I think within 24 hours of the show, Brother Love was told that it would be Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Wow. Well, uh, that's. That, uh, I gotta process
1: I, a lot in that little statement
2: you just made. So Yeah. Uh, That's right. an amazing
0: thing mm-hmm. to think about because I know if you got Flair coming in at this event, I don't I don't think that would change Savage versus Hogan, but I think it would change a lot afterwards. I don't know what happens yeah. with Hogan, with a warrior. Yeah, you know, something something would be changed and It wouldn't be a Million Dollar Man gimmick because Million Dollar Man is already here, so it uh, it probably would be the Flair that we got in 1991, just a a few years earlier, and you have the Brain Busters coming in, so you might have the Horseman by Survivor Series.
1: Yeah, wow, Flair, I didn't even think of that, but Flair, Arn and Tully being all there at the same time, uh, they would have been nuts not to put them together, although I can see maybe they wouldn't just because they didn't think of it first. But, uh, man, that... That would have been that would have been a lot, man. That would have been a lot to yeah. think about. <laughs> Holy smokes! Uh, by '92, um, I always think this is exaggerated, but it, it's true to some extent that uh, wrestling was just not quite as hot. People were not as excited about Hogan Flair. Supposedly, it didn't draw well enough. I, you know, we'll talk about that when we get to it in a few years. But man, in '88, they would have been pretty damn close to uh, the peak of the point that they could have opposed each other. So, wow, man.
0: There are some people that will tell you '89. I was one, one of if not Flair's best year, you know. So Flair, Flair is in the, is in the period where he can put on Flair Steamboat matches, and Hulk Hogan is at the height of his popularity. So do with that what you want.
1: Right, I like it's more on the Hogan side to me, because by '92, you know, like people are booing him at the Rumble, and like you know,
2: yeah,
1: Flair was as good, you know. Flair's flares Flair, you know he's great he can do whatever he wants uh, most of the time but yeah just in terms of like being hot in in the sense of being hot everywhere and having like a lot of demand to see these people like yeah 88 89 wow that would have been um man i never knew that to imagine that being like on your plate and then you get friggin jim duggan in this segment man yeah <laughs> that's terrible yeah
2: it's
0: it's a big fall off of, you know, it is, it is Duggan's return. He's been gone for a little while. But, you know, Vince probably thought it was about equal since Hacksaw was a WWF product. But <laughs> it is not equal. Uh,
1: How can we, man. why didn't we get to do a show when Duggan was gone? Why do we have to do the one where he comes back? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I remember now, I think, like, I think maybe Arn said something. Um, You know, they didn't leave the, the NWA because of Flair, but they did. They were under the impression, I think, at one point that Flair would be joining them, and then Flair kind of lets them know that, yeah, actually, no, I won't nice. be. So.
1: Man, I feel like we'll oh. probably talk a lot just about that, but I, I have to process that because I just learned about all this. That's very interesting, though.
0: There could be, man. Yeah, well, we'll we, we can talk about it later, but it is interesting that a fully formed horseman, no matter what you call them, Versus, like, the Mega Powers and then one or two others. Yeah, sure. God, that's, that's intriguing. And Flair, even on this, is Brother Love. If, if one thing, Brother Love does not come off, like, as a top, like, oh, this guy is a top authority heel. He's more of an aggravator. And I think it almost would have got the attention of the higher-up baby faces more. So I think Brother Love would have went out of his way to claim Ric Flair as already the greatest thing that ever existed. And yeah, that, that's such a flagrant foul in this babyface era. So mm. I think mean, Flair would have made a lot of noise early.
1: I, how could he not have? And I mean, uh, irrespective of Brother Love, I think, because Brother Love is just kind of a blip on the radar um, as far as history goes and attention goes. So I, we can't talk about Brother Love here. We might as well. Um, this is a guy that, like, in small doses, I thought he had good shtick. But, man, does a little of him go a long way. I get real yeah. tired of Brother Love, I got to admit.
0: I think the gimmick is genius, and I think that they don't give the – I think that they don't give the gimmick the respect it deserves because I guess a mockery of kind of the tele-evangelist, and I get that. But right. at the same time, even they wouldn't be as successful if they if they only had one move, you know. Right, so,
2: yeah.
1: I don't know if it's just the way it was booked, or Pritchard himself, but... Yeah, I don't know. There could be a lot more going on here, I think, with a different person playing this role. Um, but yeah, really his only move is to yell in an annoying way, so... I don't
0: know. Part of what we like so much, I think, in this era is the fact that Bobby Heenan believes, without a shadow of a doubt he's right about Hulk Hogan and himself and that he's on the right side of this history. Right. Uh, Jesse interior. I will get to that later, but Jesse, same for Jesse, you know, if you had kind of this fraudulent minister, but he was a little more difficult to see. And part of the reason you hated him simply is because he sided with the heels instead of just like, what he might as well be saying with everything he says is I am a fraud. Right. You know, that's not what, that's not what heels in this era are doing. The successful ones.
1: Yeah, consider the difference between somebody who has both a real name and a nickname and someone who only exists as their nickname. I feel like there's something in there. Brother Love, yeah, like, he's only the nickname. There's no sense of an authentic um, personality underneath kind of, like, the veneer of this gimmick. I don't know. That's how I feel about it.
0: I feel like it's almost, maybe not to this extreme, but the WWF 2.0 versus 1.0 is – that the Warriors group that's coming is if you watch them, if you look at a screen with them on it for one second to one minute, everything looks superior to what came before it. Like it's, it's more colorful. It's more vibrant. It attacks you as fast. It's got motion. But then when it comes to substance, I think it's a little bit of a fall off from the, from the folks that it is trying to uh, take the place of.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, you look if you just looked at a picture of Hulk Hogan or Randy Savage, you'd probably tell a little about them, but you you couldn't tell like their whole personality, yeah. their whole gimmick or anything. But you look at a picture of Brother Love or even a guy I love, like a big boss man or somebody, and like they they they're wearing like a costume that like tells you immediately who they are. Uh, so that that is something I think of the new WWF that is yeah. creeping in that is gonna be different. Than the guys who kind of appeared before this world took shape and uh, had something before they were just sort of uh, their gimmick name and their, their gimmick costume.
0: Yeah. I like, I'm a big Shawn Michaels fan. So as we'll get into that, but the rockers is another one that it's just like, Oh, look, things hanging off their arms and bright colors. You know, Uh that's all you need to know. Mm -hmm. Ultimate warrior is, is the image of that. You know, look at his face paint, look at his tassels. You might also need to see him run to ringside, but beyond that, you really – it's for the best for everyone that you don't see beyond that. <laughs> so, not
1: wrong. Oh, man, the aesthetic between Warrior and Rockers is something I haven't thought about a lot, yeah. but that's interesting because uh, for all their differences, there's some big similarities in that presentation. You're right.
0: Yep. So we got a lot of that. Even, like, look at the difference between – one-man gang becoming Akeem, like, put them on the screen beside each other.
1: Sure, yeah. You'll know a lot more. Well, Akeem's a weird one, so I don't know.
0: If you look yeah, at I a picture mean, of that, colors, you'd though. be
1: like, wait, what? But, okay. Um, that's what they were going for, though.
0: Yeah, one-man gang is, is literally black and white, and then Akeem is bright colors. Bossman is bright colors. Bossman and Akeem will do a lot of what they do on the Brother Love show with Hogan. So.
2: True, true. That, that
1: great segment that we're coming towards. I'm
0: excited. I can't wait. What is... there? There's, there's, some, there's some really good stuff, but there is... It's almost the beginning of Vince McMahon saying, you know what, you can take... We can work a little less. We don't have to work so hard. We can just streamline things into this singular, <laughs> you know, and that will happen more and more. So I would have not known. These are things I would not have said if we weren't doing the series because I would never have said, oh, my God, we're not going to get the substance of Hulk Hogan, you know, easily. But... <laughs> It's a different time,
2: right? Yeah, no. The
1: revelation of Hogan uh, in his actual prime is something that uh, that you just never expect until you go and kind of watch it closely, and then uh, suddenly you kind of understand what the hype was about. But um, it's hard to uncover. I'm glad we
2: unearthed it.
0: Then there are people who were the same their entire careers, right? <laughs> and God, did they suck! This man hacks out Jim Duggan in his return
1: what this is a not a good segment obviously yeah it's i don't know what the purpose of it is it's just brother love says that two by four doesn't represent love because duggan is just looking to hit somebody with it which i guess is true um duggan shouts that this is not sunday school which is also true i guess brother love pokes him and says he's not a policeman which is true again yeah. And Duggan says that his badge is his two by four and he just threatens love and love leaves. So it's just like two guys making non sequitur statements that are factual and then Duggan acting like a jerk. Um, and that's the whole segment. So I have no idea what to make of any of this.
0: There's no point. As I said, it was not meant to be Duggan, so th- this is a last-minute uh, Duggan needs to be taught love, which makes no sense, you know, other than the fact that it makes sense. But, you know, like, is he going to learn it? Can he learn? No, he can't learn. That's why he's a baby face.
1: The thing is, even if you had, like, a year to plan this segment, I don't think it looks any yeah. different.
2: So,
0: <laughs> Especially after you read it, because the back-and-forth, if there's two other people, that, like, it's a pretty decent back-and-forth at the end, with the lines you read. But, you know, Hacksaw saying that his badges, his two-by-four, really is ultimately supporting what Brother Love said at the beginning, which is pretty much, you know, (laughs) you're lawless and you have no business doing the things that you've been doing. But, you know, that but it's not going to dawn on Hacksaw. Like, Hacksaw no-sells promos as much as he's no-sells matches. So what's the point?
1: He is uh, truly, truly the immovable object uh, in his uh, mindset and his personality. Yeah, he comes out as like, you're you're a bad person. You just run around and threaten people and hit people with your two-by-four. Oh, yeah? What if I hit you with my two-by-four? That'll show <laughs> yeah. you. Like, that'll prove I'm the good guy. Yeah. Okay. all right. Cool, whatever, bud.
0: Tough guy. Tough the, guy. What is the deal with oh, Collingfield? I, I don't understand. I, I think we need, like, a, a hacksaw interpreter to come <laughs> home.
1: I was just thinking that. This man is entirely foreign to us. I don't know what he's trying to communicate when he... Sticks his tongue out and, like, looks in two directions at once and, like, I don't know. There's some sort of anthropology that's needed to uncover the the, the truths of Jim Duggan, but actually I don't want to know, so please don't.
0: <laughs> I find that hypocrisy is part of what makes him a babyface.
1: <laughs> well, that's not unique to him, but he's certainly one of the uh, biggest practitioners. Yeah.
0: Cause like calling people tough guy, but it's not really so because he's the tough guy. You know, I don't, I don't fully understand it when I mean, he sticks his tongue. I didn't realize he did so much like scratching his head and sticking his tongue out. Like being stupid is kind of pro part of his gimmick on purpose.
1: I mean, we'll see the Bushwhackers before long. Yeah. So you know, it's the, are they the 2.0 version of Jim Duggan? I don't know. Maybe.
2: <laughs>
0: These are the things I don't want. And then Brother Love, I think, is going to have a lot of seconds where he's probably going to, like, his pants are going to be pulled off and he's going to fall on his head and all that stuff's going to, you know. Yeah. I just don't, this is not, a lot of this is not going to be for me. I also don't understand if your gimmick is just to be humiliated, and I don't understand how it's not, like, satisfied after the first time it happens. Like, okay, I saw him humiliated, but by God, he lost his left shoe last time. I want to see him lose both shoes this time. I don't get the like continuation of it,
1: yeah, it's sort of a um weird sadistic cycle where you gotta see see bad things happen to this guy again and again um i well there there's certainly a lot of time with that uh yeah. he's gonna be doing these segments for quite a while, um
0: so I think three years or so uh,
1: at least if not a few times beyond that in, yeah uh, one off situations so.
0: The only thing that surprised me is that Hacksaw swung a 2x4 and missed, and Brother Love ran away. Like, I figured he would have dragged him across the ring and all that. Well,
1: Brother Love's a pretty new character, so they gotta wait and save it for a future uh, payoff, yeah. I guess. I don't know.
0: Okay, so that happened. Uh, Ric Flair is not here. Hacksaw is back. Uh, so make <laughs> up that worst. what you want to.
1: The worst possible scenario.
0: Weirdly, even though the Warrior is still very green, even Warrior Green. And I'm still not a big Warrior fan. I feel like kind of this was what like shot the card off in a different direction because there's two things that happen here. Honky Tonk Man is about to wrestle the Ultimate Warrior. He comes to the ring, he doesn't know who he's wrestling, he's being very uh flagrant about he'll take on anybody. And so two things, the the fans in the building get a shot in the arm because Mm-hmm. The Ultimate Warrior is going to – this will be the first time that we see him in his Ultimate Warrior gimmick, where he's running to ringside to the music rather than kind of just jogging or half-walking. Right. But he, he's going to come in and get it done quickly, which will pop the crowd. But if anything is that, that, that we're in, at least somewhat of an end of an era, is that Honky Tonk Man is relinquishing that IC title.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, from one workhorse to another, I guess, yeah. quote-unquote. <laughs> What a nice. what an inaccurate title that is for that particular championship. But yeah, no, I mean, in all absolute fairness, and uh, as I've said before, I am not at all a fan of the Ultimate Warrior, and if you are, I apologize. I understand that uh, he was very uh, beloved by by people in this era, and it's clear here, it's very obvious. I'll give him credit; he gets a big reaction, uh, and I get it. It's the color, it's the movement. To me, it looks just kind of goofy, but, like, it, there's a lot of it. It's very energetic. Um, the fans enjoy it. He runs down. He, he, he flops around and hits a, some little clotheslines, and then he wins the title very suddenly. So um, you got to say, yeah, it is memorable. It's exciting to the fans who are there in the audience. It's got the color and the music and the movement, and uh, it's something different. It does uh, perk the card up in a little way. And if you're going to do a warrior honky-tonk man, this was absolutely the way to do
2: it.
0: <laughs> yes. I feel like the only way the warrior improves in his career is in his Warriorness. You know, he doesn't change his style or add to it, but I, I could be wrong. But I think if you put honky-tonk man warrior beside it, Triple H warrior at WrestleMania, you would see his improvement. So it'd be very <laughs> small. Like a honky-tonk man tries to hit him in the back. You know, the idea is I think honky-tonk man is going to hit him and he, you know he's going to no-sell it. But he's turning to run off the ropes while Hunk is just swinging at the air, while Warrior is just running around. Um, but uh, if you want to see this match up in its uh, evolved state, which is it's only a few inches off what this match is, we'll get to that at WrestleMania 12. So
1: <laughs> that's a long way away. Yeah, um, I, I don't even know what to think of that. I have not seen that. I don't really want to see that, but we'll cover it for you, for you listeners, so...
0: Oh, I do want to see that. I will be excited for that
2: one.
1: Ugh. The bad wrestling, the worst. You know, I I don't know. I don't need it.
0: It's it's nice to see Triple H get handled uh, (laughs) pre-Stephanie.
1: I suppose. All right. Well, we'll debate (laughs) the merits of that when we get to it.
0: So this is... uh, this is all just a wave washing over the building, and it is, again, the two big things are happening. The Ultimate Warrior is on the rise, and Honky Tonk Man, and a lot of what he brings with him, is starting to uh, fall away, fall by the wayside a bit. It is, again, I've said it already, so I won't belabor it, but it's so interesting to me that we have such high tension starting with Savage and Hogan because they're such big stars that they almost have to divide the company. And yet, in the middle of the same card is the rise of a guy who's going to run through the both of
2: them.
1: Yeah, though, I was interested when you said that. I'm sure I've thought of it before, but it kind of struck me. I, I, surely nobody else beat Savage and Hogan so decisively. Yeah. Probably back ever. To back back years, right? Yeah. Right, my I'm, God. I'm
0: missing. Yeah. WrestleMania six and WrestleMania seven, correct? Yeah, I believe you were right. Yeah, and then Warrior will return at WrestleMania eight. Yeah, okay.
2: well, yeah. That, that all can go
0: to hell, but... Um, yeah. No, the the absolute height of The Ultimate Warrior is that that one year.
1: It is, for sure. I hate The Ultimate Warrior, though. Like, I don't want to... I'll have yeah. to praise the Randy Savage match when we get there, because it is a great match, but... Man, I hate this guy. On, like, every level, I hate everything about The Ultimate Warrior. Um, From his personal life and feelings, to his crappy wrestling, to, to stupid... I don't know. I just hate this guy, so no, no. I got to burst out a little bit here.
0: That's fair. And always feel free to, but then we also have to do right by the series, so... I would... Get I'm it out. i say
1: something that will offend you right now. Okay. I would rather Honky Tonk Man was still the Intercontinental Champion than the Ultimate Warrior, so make of that what you will.
0: I'm not offended by that. I, I think... I mean, is that for your personal? I don't think you think it's better for business. Do no, you
1: no, yeah. Although, yeah. apparently, Honky Tonk Man drew so well in those ah, house shows, so I don't know. Maybe
2: it was better.
0: It's <laughs> not better for business. But I, personally, I think we all can feel whatever we want. So that doesn't – because, like, what is Warrior going to do with the belt? Is swing it over his head, you know?
1: Right, yeah. What What are the Ultimate Warrior Intercontinental title defenses, you know? Does anyone know any of them? I don't think so. I don't know any of them off the top of my
2: head. So
0: It's such a WWF thing, though, because they are always looking for a way to replace wrestling. And Ultimate Warrior is going to be their biggest star or next to it for a year or two and have one of the biggest runs in wrestling. And it really is almost going to be matchless. It's going to be watch him run to the ring, shake the ropes, and swing the belt over his head.
1: Yeah, yeah. The matches are the least important thing that you could possibly imagine with the Ultimate Warrior. So...
2: I will team. tell you
0: one thing, if you, uh, if, if I could eliminate any team that ever teamed up from the history of professional wrestling, yeah. I would gladly take away Ultimate Warrior and Sting, because that <laughs> would, that would change the NWA, that would probably change Lex Luger's trajectory, oh and then gosh. the Warrior just wouldn't be, so.
1: I would, yeah, holy crap, imagine, imagine, oh my gosh, uh, I was just, I'm, I was going to say this later on. I'll just say it now. Imagine if Hercules had gotten the Ultimate Warrior gimmick instead. He could have run to the ring, for God's sake. He could have cut nonsense promos about being from space. Like, for God's sake, I don't know. Could have been a different world.
0: It's so funny that you said that, because I was booking a Warrior-Hercules feud, an actually good one and not a bad one, (laughs) uh, in my mind in this show, too, because this Warrior bullshit about being from parts unknown and coming off a spaceship, like does he have something to hide? Like, has, has he been around for eternity? Has he been other people? Like, I don't understand, but he's got some kind of background that be, that goes beyond the normal. Well, Hercules has been around and his own record as having been around for several different like eras and times. Yeah. So like, I would like for Hercules to kind of be stalking the warrior and trying to expose who and what he actually is. <laughs> and because like, again, with the baby faces are like, I am a, I am a sneaky, probably perverse man who has existed, but I can't tell you about any of it because, you know, it would make me look bad. Versus someone who is a fucking hero on the record, you know, Hercules. Yep. So, I don't know, we'll get to it, but The Ultimate Warrior, The Ultimate Warrior, I also thought, in his promo, it's so weird because he's almost, like, gonna take Randy Savage's thing and Hulk Hogan's at the same time, whereas Savage and Hogan... Are, they have an overlap, but they're not stepping on each other.
2: Right.
0: Ultimate Warrior is going to take, take Randy Savage's macho madness being from a different place. And I forgot that he had the little warriors, which is, for the love of God, <laughs> I'm surprised he got away with that.
2: Right.
0: So, Warrior's just going to deliberately take them. And then maybe that's the thing why Hogan and Savage do so well, because there's nothing of the warrior that belongs to the warrior. And that's because of his idiotic beliefs and his cartoons and his... Uh, drawings and shit and his philosophies he would think that he has so much stuff but he has he is a world champion who is going to have nothing of his own
1: Mm. we talked about we talked a few times i think foreshadowing about how ultimate warrior is kind of the space element i'm gonna put out on this show we can talk about it more when we get to the promo but i think if you're really the space element you don't have to tell everyone that every time you open your mouth you friggin' try hard I mean, yeah. for God's sake, I don't I don't really think that he is anymore. I don't know what he is, but um
2: That's a good point.
1: Uh, my god, like he can't stop with it, so
0: that would have been Hercules' job though, is to expose him because <laughs> You I think you're right, because here's the here's the thing that happened. When you you sent me a promo of Randy Savage where uh we'll talk about it later with Andre and others coming down. Yeah. And okay, so how long have we been calling Randy Savage now? Is it like three years? Of WWF or so, two or three years? Yeah, definitely. It only hit me after two or three years. Like, oh my god, I also really like his theme music. And his theme music kind of has this lift, whether it's sky or air or space, like the theme music has a lift like Randy Savage. So, like, the last thing I realized was, like, his ring music also complements his elements. Whereas The Ultimate Warrior, the first thing I realized is his theme music. So if you take away the paint and you take away the tassels and you take away the sound of his music, and he's just a man, he's just a man on the street talking about being from from uh, off a spaceship, <laughs> do you say all oh, that man is of the space element, or do you say something else entirely?
1: Right, you say call the men in the white coats for <laughs> yeah. God's sake to get this man away from me. Yeah, like if yeah. you strip away everything. Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage are still so much. Like it's yeah. part of who they are or I don't think I don't get that at all. I don't get that vibe at all. Uh, he's very, very lucky that a lot of good presentation went in around him. He does have a great theme song, uh, very simple and super effective for what it needs to be. He's got the paint. He's got these weird space lines. He came around at just the right time. He's very lucky. I guess is all I'm
2: going to try to say here.
0: Yeah. It's a it's a belief system that like you can't strip away what Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan have like you can't strip it away because right. you had to you had to strip them away like strip them of themselves mm-hmm. and that's not a thing you can do. Whereas we may realize that Ultimate Warrior is a fraud and that's not even like if you're a fan of Warrior that's not even to knock him. It's almost in a way to praise him because it, that fits more with like his but his non wrestling belief system fits better with that too. Is that he just created a belief. But he is clearly the creator of it. Like, there's no, I am this. No, I, I thought this into being. You know, I don't know what that makes him. As Part of me wants to say the Earth element. The Earth element is usually more like, like, it presents itself like Triple H and Bobby Roode a lot, but there's a lot to take. So, at WrestleMania 7, whatever little thing, whatever little racket he has uh, with communicating with his hands... <laughs> Is going to go away, and that's the most intriguing I think we'll ever see him. Yeah. But more times than not, I don't think it can go away, because I think it's being orchestrated by the man moving his hands.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're going to have to talk so much about this doofus. Uh, Oh, my God. (laughs) There's so much. They're going to try so hard to make him be something he's just never going to be, which is the new Hogan. Yeah. God, it's I'm just intrigued. never
0: gonna work. There's something deep though about his him being fraudulent because eh. it's also why is it that he's gonna have the greatest is there a greater launch in the history of professional wrestling than that WrestleMania six VI, uh victory over Hulk Hogan? Like I, the sky is the fucking limit. You're starting you're starting there. So why is it that again Hogan and Savage are still gonna be stars in the late nineties and Warriors are gonna flame out in a year or two because <laughs> 'Cause
1: he's a friggin' nut job for one thing. Yeah. Um, so he's gonna you
2: know
1: WWE um did a very petty thing that you may know about. They did their yeah. self destruction of the ultimate warrior DVD, um, which is a whole like petty like there's another psychosis going on there that's nothing to do with the warrior, but hey, you know why they were able to make that, because that's not entirely untrue by any yeah. means, so Uh, And, yeah, like you said, like, we've talked before, and it's been a big talking point. Hulk Hogan came back in the ring with Ultimate Warrior and, like, stole his spotlight. Guess what? You just beat Hulk Hogan clean. Hulk Hogan shouldn't be able to wipe that away just by taking, like, two steps back into the ring. Like, count on one hand the number of people who got to do that. My God. Like, we've talked about how Sting is not, like, he beat Hogan. And they kind of messed it up or whatever. He got a boost off it anyway. And people still, you know, Sting is still beloved by a lot of people. Maybe Warrior is, but, man, he is not. A lot of people look back on Warrior and we're like, what the heck were we thinking? You know, so, Jesus.
0: My big question now going forward is, is there a there there with the Ultimate Warrior? Mm. And it's it's a very sincere question because... I will never say that you can't get something out of Ultimate Warrior coming down to that music looking like he does and dominating like he does.
2: Sure.
0: But the dominating is WWF booking him that way. The music was selected and the face paint is not the person. So what is the there? Even Sting, who I think is a lightweight, yeah. who, in my honest opinion, is well, anyway, that's a, just listen to WCW The Legacy <laughs> series. But there's a there there. I don't even like it. It's like a almost like an airhead and a like, uh, he's like a dumb blonde, but he's like a good natured one. Right. A, a good a solid U.S. champion, that Stinger. Uh, but, <laughs> tag,
1: tag team wrestler. Should have been. Would have been great. No, yeah.
0: So. yeah great tag wrestler. Yeah. He, he was really <laughs> good with Luger that one time. Um, but. I know what's there. Like, there's an energy that's there. Like, he's a very Summer Slammy in his yellow self. Uh, Randy Savage, my God, the the more you get of Randy Savage, there are just, like, wells and wells of there, there. Hulk Hogan, the same thing. Bobby Heenan, the same thing. Jesse Ventura, the same thing. Andre the Giant. I can tell you what their aura is like. I can tell you what their personality is like. I can tell you kind of what their authenticity is like. Is there a there there with the ultimate warrior and it's funny that not only i'm asking this as a as a wrestler and performer but you know it's not surprising that the person that you're questioning that about will also hold vincent McMahon up for money like time and again because you know, there's never a time that this is about the actual thing that he is being paid to do i don't think so um, I'm
1: imagining you sent me an interesting hypothetical, um, which at some point I think we'll talk about you. We, we, we talked about it a little this week over text, but I'm going to hit you with another one. I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this. What if ultimate warrior and Sting uh, exchange their directions? What if ultimate warrior goes off to NWA and sting comes to WWF instead, and they end up with each other's, um, possibilities on that road
0: Ah, I've heard this before. I don't know. Because I know what the answer is supposed to be. I think the answer is supposed to be... Oh my god. Sting was already the franchise of WCW. The only thing that could have lifted him higher if he had been booked by WWF. Oh my god. He would have been the next Hulk Hogan. Ah, Oh god. Maybe the next John Cena. I don't know. (laughs) What was Sting...
1: I'll say is this, that, I don't think he would have um, flamed out after a year or two. I, I don't think which, he could have replaced Hulk Hogan Sting um, in the WWF. I think, uh, you know, we, we know this guy likes to stick wherever he is. So, if he goes there, I don't know, does he get to beat Hogan? Does he get to follow that same path? I don't know, but I bet you he stays there for a really, really long time. And uh, that really changes the path of some stuff,
2: I think.
0: I got to think about it because it would have they would have to bring out something better than, in him, I think, than we ever saw in his entire career.
2: Mm.
0: Because, to me, this era, what we have learned about this era is that everyone is more complicated and complex than, than you would think that they are.
2: Right.
0: And I never saw that. Like, even when Sting was supposed to be complex, like, what made the Crows so good is that they sent him away and did not let him speak. <laughs> The day that he the day that he took the microphone and spoke like all the weight that it projected in the image went away with like I think he was making jokes and maybe talking like in fake uh, Spanish and all kind of other uh, <laughs> such it's like but it's like he's an idiot in a lot of ways and I don't not in a bad way because I think he seems like a really nice guy but like I don't know how substantive he is and like until you can prove that they would have brought that out I think I don't I think It'd be just as fair to say, would he have been the next Hulk Hogan, or would he have been another one of Hulk Hogan's (laughs) hacksaws?
1: I mean, that is the role he took on uh, for a while when Hogan came over, so it's an interesting point. Um, It certainly would have been uh, another bullet in the the chamber of the WWF that they could rely on, and I think he would have proved more reliable than Ultimate Warrior, because I do think Sting run circles around the ultimate warrior when all is said and done so um i don't know it would have been interesting i know this i don't think ultimate warrior would have gone 45 with flair at the first clash of the champions so uh we're talking about some different yeah. scenarios there as well
0: it's so interesting because i think the best thing sting could have done in wwf in the 80s is feud with the macho king and oh sure but then like the best thing the ultimate warrior did was feud with the macho king so you're also losing that and well, maybe you know, maybe it'll underperform, but in my memory, that WrestleMania 7 match is just uh, it's just a whole another conversation. I remember it very well as well. It's the
1: only Warrior match that I think I genuinely like, so um there's going to be some
0: uh-huh. to it. <laughs> I would like to know what would happen if Sting and the Warrior went to the NWA and Lex Luger in the 80s went to the WWF. Well,
1: that's interesting too.
0: That's what I'd like to know because Or just Luger without because in 88 this is these are facts even though people don't talk about them. We're in 88 this is when we started WCW the Legacy series. Mm-hmm. The NWA was damn near going out of business that's why uh, Jim Crockett was selling it and they went from like oh we everything sucks to like we're making money and doing well with the Lex Luger Flair program and with like some tag team stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. Like that's a fact. Mm-hmm. So like the Lex Luger stuff never got a shot so I I I don't know. I don't know what he could have been or couldn't have been, but they're all interesting conversations. The one thing out of all of this, like I will admit Sting could have been this or that, and WWF Luger could have been this or that. I think the Ultimate Warrior would have have done nothing for NWA because he doesn't fit the idea. Look what he looked like in WCW in 98. Like, I don't think Warrior would have done anything for the NWA.
1: Yeah, I don't think they would have... um... You say this is to their credit or to their detriment, but I don't think they would have let him do this whole thing where, like, he doesn't wrestle practically like you were talking about. Like, the matches barely exist. Um, So he would have had to adapt, and I think history shows that's the last thing Warrior was capable of.
0: So if Sting is on the rise in WWF in 88, like, what do you think the best path? Like, how would you book him to the world title? Would it be Uh, over Hogan, or would you go a different route?
1: I don't, just off the top of my head, I don't see why he can't, do the same thing warrior did and probably have a better match in the meantime. Cause I know some people really like that warrior Hogan match. Uh, I hate it. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I don't see anything good in it. Um, so I'll watch it again. I'll see if my opinion changes, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think Sting could have replaced Hogan either. Um, and I don't know if he would have done better than ultimate warrior or not in that spot, just cause I don't know. I don't think anyone can follow Hogan on this run. But, um, I don't think it would have spelled like the end of him either. Like it kind of did for warrior. Um, uh, so yeah, I don't see why he can't follow the same path. And then he could stick around as long as the undertaker, you know, and, yeah. uh, his role's a little different, but man, he could have spanned every era. This is a guy who was wrestling up to what, like a few years ago, you know? So uh, he could have easily just as been a WWF lifer, just the way he was a WCW lifer
0: that's where I think I can get on board. I think Sting would have been a lot better for the 90s. Like, sure. you, you've got to show me Sting doing what we, we say. Because Sting's got more, like, variety than the Ultimate Warrior. But the Ultimate Warrior, as a burst and as a WWF gimmick, like, has a rise to Sting. It would be on Sting to meet that rise of what the Ultimate Warrior is going to have for about a year. But if you're going to talk about Sting versus The Undertaker, Sting versus Bret Hart, Sting was fucking born to be in that. Uh, sanitized new generation that comes in the '90s. Like I think Sting would have. Then you got Sting versus Diesel, Sting versus Razor, Sting versus Bret Hart. If Luger jumps, you got Sting and Lex Luger. You know. So if you want to argue that Sting would have boosted the the '90s, at least the first half of the '90s. That's the thing I think Sting is good at. Maybe that's why he is smart to have been the franchise. I think Sting excels in a wrestling promotion that doesn't excel. <laughs> So yeah,
2: anyway,
1: there.
0: <laughs> just some thoughts. Uh, um, what, show um, are we what show
1: are we on? <laughs> <laughs> this is how you know that the um, this is where the show took an upturn because this is what sent us off on a lot of weird tangents. So
0: yeah, go. good point. Yep. So uh, we got Bobby Heenan, I think, next, unless I am.
1: Yes, indeed, invading the commentary uh, balcony, so which uh, is also like nobody does commentary from like the balcony anymore or from, like, far away from the ring. I'm not even talking about the Nitro position. Like, you just don't see the booth in this kind of place like it is on this show anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so... Like, I like the threat of Bobby Heenan almost falling over the thing. And...
1: <laughs> yeah, they play that. Like, it's like he's doing it himself. Like, oh, I might lose my balance. And then Billy Graham is like, well, I'll push you. And that's just like, Okay. Billy Graham just wants to do a murder
2: on TV, so cool, good for you, man.
0: I think Sting would have got off on the word "raw" when they changed the, the show to "raw." I'm talking about, oh, it's raw, like he would give us a lot of that. And anyway, Bobby Heenan <laughs> says that Andre the Giant is reading the Wall Street Journal. That's what he's doing right now.
1: Probably leaning
2: um, against the wall, too, yes.
0: while well, he does it. So cool. I, love I believe it. Dead Teddy is counting his money. Virgil is enjoying it all. And the mega powers, by God, they have taken their dresser and put it in front of the locker room door. Like That's got to be a low point in both Savage and Hogan's careers, when they put that dresser in front of the door. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Um, Keenan uh, comes up with a lot of places that Hogan hides when he's not around. So... A nice continuation of that. I I, I have to laugh as well that Virgil um has nothing better to do than just yes. stand there and enjoy enjoy like the scene. Like I, I get that. I could I could probably do that too if I were Virgil. So.
0: Well, if the scene is Andre leaning on the wall reading the Wall Street Journal. Then it's a different conversation.
1: Sure. Yeah. And I could just I could just enjoy that. That's pretty much what we did in that contract signing yes. segment. So there you go.
0: God, I I absolutely believe that he sits back there and, and does reading before his main event matches. Like, sure,
2: he's not worried. He's Andre, man.
0: The thing that worries me, though, that I have to at least, you know, it has to be a conversation. If everything that he says is that believable, can we just dem- dismiss out of hand that they did not put a dresser in trying to lock locker room door? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, well... I suppose the strange credibility that they gave that promo earlier, and they're going to come out later, and they're fine. But in the meantime, they got an attack of cowardice and put the dresser. But you know what? You can't discount it entirely. It's true.
0: A point that I will—this was for later, but I'll go ahead and make it. So the the mega the mega powers in all the moving parts—they have a secret weapon, and we'll get to what that is, you know, later in the show. Sure. And it will—they will unleash the secret weapon at a time where they are about to lose the match by count out. Mm. So does that mean that from the beginning, they knew there was a point that they were going to be beaten in this match. Mm. And if they did, is there a possibility that even for five minutes, they put the dresser in front of the locker room door?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can't say that it didn't happen. You can't do 50, 50, 50,
0: 50, 50, Thank you, Bobby Heenan, for bringing that to light.
2: Indeed. Indeed.
0: Okay, so another um, return match, I would say, between Don Morocco and Dino Bravo. Superstar Billy Graham, I guess, should be at ringside, or maybe he's not the manager anymore. I couldn't really tell. But alas. <laughs> the fact
1: that it was impossible to tell doesn't speak well for their partnership. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, they're still. I I predicted this would happen because I remembered it. I guess I didn't predict it. I just remembered it. But they're still seven months on. They're still talking about that terrible bench press segment, like it was uh, the most important thing that happened in anybody's career. Like this 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 talking point has more longevity than WrestleMania three. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. it'll never go away.
0: For how long they made us sit through it? I'm almost glad that they're still <laughs> talking about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you have to justify the absurd length somehow.
2: So, there you go.
0: So, uh, my favorite thing early on is Bobby Heenan is still in the booth for this one, and uh, I think Dino, not Dino, probably, uh, Billy Graham is talking about what's legal and what's not. Mm. Bobby Heenan says, if you want to talk legal, drive 30 miles per hour. Otherwise, shut up.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a great line. I, uh, I really enjoy Heenan being out here, obviously, because it's Heenan, um, but especially because He's obviously a little protective of his spot with Gorilla Monsoon, uh, which speaks again to the uh, relationship between these two.
0: Yes. He says, I'm usually the host of all the shows me and the gri- the gorilla is doing. Uh, you snuck in through the back door.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's, it's great. You know, I, I he wants to be out there with Monsoon in
2: spite of everything. You got to love yes. that.
0: There's a nice sequence here at one point where, uh, Morocco does, like, a very vertical hip toss, then he does a slam, then he does an arm drag. Shortly after, he does a monkey flip.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So Morocco shows me something in here.
2: He does,
1: yeah. As always, Morocco shows a little bit. Uh, there's not a whole lot to this match. Nah. It's another battle of kind of semi-agile muscle guys, although uh, Bravo is no Butch Reed. So mm-hmm. it's not bad. It's not much of
2: anything, really.
0: There's a half-ref rough ref bump that disturbs nothing simply because the baby face is going to lose. You have to at least like pretend like something might have been a tad bit off. (laughs) So Dino Bravo will get the win in this one.
1: Yep. Don Morocco sliding all the way down to the bottom of that uh, guard slot that we talked about.
0: So then we go to Sean Mooney, who looks and sounds like a teenager and he is with Jesse, the body Ventura, who has been uh, placed as a referee for the main event of the show.
1: Love Sean Mooney. Here he is, finally, replacing uh, that little Craig DeGeorge twerp <laughs> that I have no time for. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's talking to Ventura about being the referee, talking about uh, accepting money from Ted DiBiase. Jesse Ventura deals with that in a very Ventura-like fashion. He just says, hey, he came and put money in my pocket. I'm not a fool. I'm going to take money if somebody gives it to me, and that's all it is. It doesn't mean anything else than that. What I really love about this, in some ways, I'm like, Ventura's a referee, why? Like, you don't necessarily need that for this match. But I do really like the fact that Ventura is nuanced enough that you really don't know if he's going to call this match straight or crooked.
0: Yes. I will wait till we get to the um, footage of everything that led up to this, but I am going to make a, a guess at how doing a couple of months a positive psychology looking at values needs and strengths allows me to understand what Jesse Ventura would or would not have done in this matchup and how some of this was nonsensical and (laughs) a waste of a waste of effort on the part of a few folks. I will Uh, get to that later. Yes, I I
1: agree. I think with where you're going, let's talk about that when we get there.
0: So Jesse says, if someone wants to put money or give me money, I'm not going to, I'm going to take the money. So DiBiase had put money in his jacket and we'll get into that though a little bit later. So we're going to go back to the ring. We got the tag titles on the line Fuji and Jimmy Hart accompanying the demolition to take on the Hart Foundation.
1: Mm-hmm. I gotta say, we've definitely here, we had uh, maybe a little lower point with that last match, but definitely from here, I thought everything uh, from this point on in this yes. show was really good. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot
0: absolutely
1: um so yeah we do have demolition one of the best tag teams of this era also the heart foundation is there um <laughs> uh jimmy hart is out there as well with fuji because uh he's at a point where he's opposing the hearts uh, wherever they go because they had a, a split between them despite their shared last name uh it's a good match you know i miss strike force i always will but uh you know there's some good stuff here and I, honestly i really do believe demolition is leading the way in this match but the hearts do a good job as well so i, I enjoyed this one for sure
0: i did as well bret hart has now grown into his singles wrestler body all, all, all of a sudden so yes. congratulations <laughs> to him on that um i think knightheart will be out of the match a while he'll do his uh job of coming in on the hot tag but uh, what I got from this match is Ax, Smash, and Bret Hart. The technical prowess of this is nobody takes a rest. Like there are some wrestlers, and this is again the folks that don't get it as much. And Luger is one of them, but a lot of folks that didn't grow up in it. Like when you tag out, it's almost like you don't exist anymore. <laughs> you know, like I've done my part. Now I don't. But th- those three for the entirety of this match are on, no matter where they are in the sequence at any time. Mm.
1: That's a great point. I never thought of that with demolition specifically, Uh, but they do have that full engagement that I think is so valuable when you're trying to uh, make a great wrestling career for yourself. And yeah, they are really on all the time. Um, You know, they know how to, to work the apron, so to speak when they're not in the ring. Um, Everything they do is so keyed into who they are. They never kind of hit pause on whatever they're doing and that uh it's a it's a small thing in some ways like you might not even know about it consciously but i think it adds a lot to an act
0: yeah you don't have to do it that's why they're so good when you do it Arn anderson is all about this oh yeah and so for folks like me who want the authenticity who wants to believe it like you're out there you're at war like your job, your living is to go out there and not only try to defeat someone, but your career might might be ended. Someone else's career might be ended. Like, why would you not be on? Like, you almost need to be on more on the apron than in the ring because it's when you let your guard down that you know you're going to get popped one time and it's going to be that unfortunate moment.
2: Mm-hmm, so, absolutely.
0: It just seems so... Like, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. And mm-hmm. again, like, they wrestled the British Bulldog last time and now they're wrestling Bret Hart. And so... I'm almost getting to see my Canadian stampede with Demolition on Austin's team without them being on that show. <laughs>
1: uh, that's so, yeah, like, it would have been a great fit. I, Legion of Doom was on that team, I think. Um, but Demolition could have slid in just yeah. as well and uh, done at least as good a job.
0: I think Shamrock might have been there. Like Shamrock and Demolition interesting together, you yeah, know. Yeah, for sure. A lot of fun, but... This is so good. I, this is a high. I highly recommend. Even the heart's wearing their black pants. Like ha- having a different outfit, and Brett actually looking like Bret Hart for the first time. Like, mm-hmm. there's really been some evolution. So I think desperately they need to like switch things up a little bit from time to time.
1: For sure, uh, it's interesting. We missed Bret Hart's whole singles experiment. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: But even though it was not uh, successful, he he came. He looks better here than he definitely ever has before. So. Yes. Uh, as we said, Bret Hart is a guy who kind of like brick by brick built himself up into uh, this great performer that he's still becoming. And uh, he's on his way, you know. He's making it along.
0: He does a really nice standing drop kick at one point that is not in any way a visual thing. It is very much a weapon that he's trying to desperately point in order to get the offense. Mm-hmm. He's got and, uh, his backbreaker
1: down, too. Yeah. So he, he's putting the pieces together.
0: Man, this is... And I, I would love to know the, like, the details behind this match, because in some ways it's so much a Bret Hart match and what will make Bret Hart great. Mm. And I also want to know how much was Demolition, because if this is the kind of stuff we're going to get from Demolition, then sign me up for like a decade of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love Demolition, you know. These guys are so great, and they don't get nearly enough conversation about them, and... um I don't know. They're going to be the longest running uh, tag team champions for like uh, a very long time, I think. So this is the run like forget hoggy talk, man. Like this is the long title run that I want to care about in this era for sure.
0: Yeah. If you want a super smart, super competitive match, uh, this is the one to watch.
1: Very good. Yeah. Anyone who's recommending that first match on the card over this one is, uh, is lying to you. They're trying to fool you. So check out this one. Absolutely.
0: I like, too, that if we're going to have this Jimmy Hart, Hart Foundation feud, like I'm not necessarily down for it, but if we're doing that, it's Jimmy Hart's uh, megaphone other than Demolition and Fuji that gets the job done. So Demolition gets to keep on going, and the Hart Foundation gets to keep their little side feud going.
1: <laughs> and more power to everyone involved.
0: Yeah. Again, well, we didn't say a lot about it, but it's cause I think it's just a match you need to watch because it's really it's done really, really well. Shades of what we're going to see in Bret Hart's IC title reign and his world title reigns to come. And Demolition again, proving why they are the tag team champions. Mm,
1: Absolutely. I feel like these two teams are going to have a rematch at SummerSlam in two years. I could be wrong Mm. about that, but we're going to have a long time uh, with with some of these people here. Mm -hmm.
0: That's interesting. I can't wait. (laughs) Okay, Gene is in a locker room full of heels and Honky Tonk Man is pissed off.
1: I love that uh, it's like Jimmy Hart, Honky Tonk Man. And then, yeah, like all of Jimmy's um, clients and also Nikolai Volkov is like randomly there. So it's just like I like um, we talked a little bit uh, in the forum about how the stables of this time are great, but they don't really behave like stables will in the future. Like they don't do things together most of the time. So when you do actually get to see them together, uh, that's always exciting to me. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know why Nikolai Volkov was there, but. Just heels, like, hanging out together. You mentioned the heel locker room. You know, I can appreciate that, too.
2: Yeah.
0: So it's uh, Honky Tonk Man saying that he's been ripped off and robbed. He said he'd wrestle anybody. He did not say he'd wrestle a warrior. And that's my belt. And he guarantees if it's the last thing the Honky Tonk Man does, he will be IC champion again. Which is
2: a lie. Yes. What
0: <laughs> then, ladies and gentlemen, we go back to the ring. For one of the most beautiful pairings I have seen in the whole history of this uh, series, yes. we have the big boss man with Slick going one-on-one with Coco. Beware.
1: And I will say, for this match, probably only being five or six minutes, in some ways it's my favorite one on the card because both of these guys are so good and I'm so glad to see big boss man and you've got Slick out there and you just you got some of the finest, most underrated people of this era in this ring all at the yeah. same time it's very very good stuff
0: it is and even i will say i enjoyed it and bossman is so naturally gifted but i i think i can see where he is going to grow into himself a little bit as well
1: sure he'll get even better but he's great yeah. just coming in the door honestly i want to think about this uh, big man kind of in this era you got vader you got andre is Big Boss Man number three? Is there somebody I'm forgetting who would possibly even contend for that number three spot?
2: Man,
0: I need to think about that before I say, but I think the case is going to be made in the WWF.
1: Sure. Yeah. So Although, like, are we're, we're about WCW to WCW and has that series with Vader. Like that's incredible stuff too. Yeah. Honestly. That's true. Yeah.
0: But I think like we're, we're a bit incomplete right now because we've done WCW to legacy series, but not this and, and it's no small thing. that I've been looking forward to Bossman since we started the series. Sure. And now here he is looking like he's 17 years old. <laughs> Wasn't ready for that.
1: Yeah, very young. Very young. Um, I yeah, mean, yeah, To me, yeah. he's three, and, like, Bundy is probably four, but Bossman's better than Bundy. I know that. I love Bundy is a lot. So. Better.
0: Yeah. I'm a Bundy fan, but Bossman is leagues above for Bundy, I think. Exactly. Because then if you take their whole careers. Like when Bundy comes back in '94, it's going to be a different Bundy. Whereas, like you just said, in '94, '95, Bossman is still having some great matches.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Probably even beyond that if you uh, dig down far enough. And...
0: Yeah. So yeah, we need to keep that in conversation. I, I my, my my mind can't even think about who else is even on the t- on the table. It's definitely not one man gang. It's not one Tell man. You that gang. much. <laughs> At least uh-uh.
1: we
0: know. I will say another thing. I am a big energy person. I love Coco Beware for his energy, among other things. And what I'm most excited about, as much as a high-energy fan as I am, at Survivor Series, I think we have either four or five matches total, and one of them has Coco Beware in it, and one of them has the Blue Blazer in it. So there's two matches with high energy represented at Survivor Series.
1: Yes, yes, I'm very excited about that. They have – I might be able to dig it up when we get there. I think there is a uh, Coco Beware Blue Blazer – tag match where they face the brain busters and i remember <sighs> that being super fun so I, I may have to dig that up yes. if i can
0: <laughs> what's well, fascinating stuff this is this is these are both what the boss man and coco beware are above anything is we're going to give you book us on any part of the card and we'll give you double what you expect
2: from us
1: yeah yeah people who overachieve i mean you really have to appreciate that if we just talked about like with demolition uh, they probably didn't need to try as hard as they did at some things, uh, but they did yeah. it anyway. And that's why they're like freaking legends and why we will uh, praise them on this podcast.
0: Yeah, These are two present minded individuals. And they're both even Coco Beware doesn't look like he'd be as much a high flyer as he is. So both of them, they just surprise you with what they get done and all their surprises are pleasant. Imagine a relationship where all your surprises are pleasant. <laughs> that's what you get from these two.
1: For sure. With Bossman, he's such an interesting guy because he does so many things well. Like, he's very big, and everything that comes with that and that alone gets you a certain distance. But on top of that, he is quick. He can be very agile. Um, he's got one of the best punches ever in wrestling history. And he even beyond that, like, there's a point in this match where Coco is, like, backed into the corner. Bossman's coming after him coco tries to like slip past boss man super fast and boss man just like puts his arm out it's so slick and he's got him in a headlock and you're like how did that even happen like coco was gonna slip past him and now he's in a headlock and it's just so smooth it's so Mm. slick man i love it everything he does he makes it look good
0: yeah it's so the way they sell like, Boss Man eventually, he does this a lot where he kind of gets crushed on the ropes and, yep. you know, he sells it in his face for everything it's worth. I like <laughs> the folks that want you to feel like they're actually experiencing the things that they're doing in the ring and not going through the motions.
2: Yeah, so
1: engaged with everything that he does. Um, some really great stuff in here. I love uh, Slick, <laughs> uh, as we've praised before, does a very good job. Also, at one point, Bossman does, like, just a regular splash in the corner and we go over to slick and Slick's like i told him yes. to do that i'm like yes yes you told him to do like a basic regular wrestling move he's gonna take credit <laughs> for that i love it
0: and for how good this is we haven't even gotten boss man baseball sliding under the bottom rope and punching a guy yet
1: yes I like he's gonna add so much more stuff to what he can do it's awesome i love boss man i love coco uh the, the segment where Coco, like, they give him a big hope spot towards the end. Like, he hits this really great missile dropkick, and he actually pins Bossman. It looks like he's going to maybe even win. And then Bossman kicks out, and it's the kind of kick out where you, like, bench press the guy across the ring. And it just looks so good, and the timing is so good, and it's such a huge pop for it. It's great stuff.
0: It is. It's beautiful. And it's a thing where the entire time, like you said, that Coco's coming back, you believe he could win, and then when Bossman kicks out, you believe he never had a chance to win, and both of them seem true.
1: Absolutely, yeah. A really, really great execution. It takes a special kind of wrestler to make a segment, uh, to get everyone to bite on it like that. It's very good stuff.
0: And if there's any indication of how well he was doing despite the kick out, I think Bossman is going to hit that slam fairly quickly after and try to get the thing over with.
1: Yeah, that was like Kogo's last uh, shot. And then, yeah, Bossman puts him away. He's not messing around, gets that victory. Uh, really good short match like a long match does not equal a great match sometimes you have like just five or six minutes which is everything it needs to and it packs in uh, really good action really good story like i said in some ways this is my favorite match on the card so i really do uh, praise it recommend it both of these guys are uh, legends in their time
0: there are three matches with the main event included that i would definitely say go back and watch and just enjoy for yourself
1: is it literally the last three matches
0: <laughs> No, it's not. We got Hercules and Jake Roberts. And it's not that one.
1: Okay, all right, I gotcha. Okay, it must be Demolition and and Hearts then, right? Yeah. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah, those um, four. Those those are my top four personally.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, so question: What what category are we talking about with Vader and all these guys?
1: Um, I just said big man of this era, and I'm using that kind of uh, broadly. So let's just say like '80s and '90s for the sake of it. Um, so does
0: Dusty Rhodes count?
1: Ooh, I, I think of him in a different way, although probably in terms of weight, he's probably not that far from Big Boss Man, so I don't know. Nobody really talks about Dusty when you talk about, like, super heavyweights, though. I don't know. I have to think about that.
0: Yeah. That's the only person that comes to mind that would would threaten the, the ranks.
1: That's fair, but he was, like – I'm looking him up a second. He, he was 6'2". Build it two seventy five. Oh, that's pretty heavy. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, all right, we'll put Dusty in the conversation, maybe with an asterisk. But if you're counting yeah. Dusty, then obviously like he's gonna run he's gonna run up there with yeah. uh, Andre and Vader for sure.
0: Yes. And I don't know because I think that's the thing, like Vader has always been in a group like I've never thought of Bossman in that group, even though I think his eighties counts. Like I think there's times in his career. Mm. Like I think ultimately Dusty would not count for this. And I think Bossman for about half his career wouldn't count, but this you almost have to beat the big bloated bossman, yeah. You know, because if we're talking Vader size and Andre size, that's a whole different. Like, I'd like to know what bossman weighed like in some of his slimmer times.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, they they say he's close to 400 pounds here, but I don't believe
0: that. I so believe. You know. <laughs> no that was least. just the starting point to get a match with Hogan in that
1: era. <laughs> right.
0: I'm not gonna slam you for anything less than 400 pounds, brother.
1: <laughs> don't even bother
0: coming <laughs> we'll um, see when, when he's standing beside a king I'll, I'll make my decision but i think you might be right i think bossman might count especially in this era and i don't think dusty if dusty's 275 then he doesn't count
2: because
0: yeah, that's like that's luger's weight
1: yeah bossman built at 6 7 so if um, that's true I then I, I feel like he's in the conversation
0: <laughs> i didn't know he was 6 7 so that's that's I, fascinating. It's, it's a
1: little. He's kind of a little more slim, even when he's bigger. He's a little more slim than you might think. But yeah, like yeah. he's very big. He's very tall.
0: Yeah. So he might be then, because yeah, Andre, Vader, Andre, and Bossman are just like top notch. So good. There ain't nobody else hardly doing the variety that they're doing.
1: <laughs> if we're forgetting any great big men of this era, please let us know. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Spectral Gent. You can hit up the forums www.lopforums.com
0: Okay, so Sean Mooney is backstage with the Ultimate Warrior. He is surrounded by Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, the Dynamite Kid, Davey Boy, JYD, uh, Morocco, I think. I can't read my writing, and I think one other person. Mm. Um, I don't think this is what is meant to happen, but they're all cheering him all, and the minute the Warrior starts talking about spaceships, the looks on their faces change, and then all of a sudden there's nobody in the locker room with them anymore. (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah, this is where I wrote my comment that if you're really from space, you don't have to tell everyone every single time you open your mouth, you know, as a yeah. sign that you're not really from space. You're maybe a bit of a fraud there, buddy.
0: Yeah, two or three times he talks about uh, those parts unknown and coming off a spaceship. The thing that threw me again was the little, not only saying the little warriors, <laughs> but then they you have to take on the little warriors. Like, that is... That is uh you can get sued for shit like this. <laughs> you changed one not word legally
1: and... distinct, yeah.
0: Like I I don't know who who else are the people I guess Sting has a little stingers, but I don't remember him really I don't, I guess I have to look into it, but
1: I don't think Sting just... ever put his stingers in harm's way, although he did expose them to uh some <laughs> naughty moments, so
0: <laughs> But it just it just really hit me that the Ultimate Warrior is blatantly... They're, they're giving him Savage's stuff and Hogan's stuff.
2: Right.
0: And I guess it makes sense, since he will ultimately uh, vanquish both of them for... Because for that's the thing, too. He's not only going to beat them, he's going to take the world title off of Hogan and kind of send him away for a little while and retire Randy Savage. Yeah. So even on his run, which we, we will have rightfully have to praise at times, even when we're praising it, is he doing more damage to the company <laughs> than he's doing good? Yeah. <laughs> He's getting rid of Hogan and Savage.
1: I, I I will make a strong case that he's doing more damage than uh, <laughs> good, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about that as we go.
0: So I'm very interested. We'll talk about that in time being. Again, you can start answering this question if you want to. Is there a there there for the Ultimate Warrior? If so, what is it and how does it stand next to people, his contemporaries in this era?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, back to the ring, Jake Roberts going one-on-one with the mighty Hercules.
1: Absolutely. We have no Bobby Heenan in this match, curiously. I guess he's getting ready for the main event, which is uh, up next. Um, I don't know about you. I, we, I, we've been down on a lot of Jake Roberts matches. I think rightfully so. I actually really liked this one. And part of that is just because Hercules is really, really good. Uh, and we know that. We've documented it a lot. But I think Jake was actually looking much better here mm. than he has in some other matches as well. I don't know if that's he's finally getting over that injury he got from Honky Tonk Man, which was a pretty bad one, as I recall. Or if maybe Jake just needs to be in there with the right person. Like, he's been in there with Honky Tonk Man, which does nothing for you. He's been in there with Rick Rude, which, sorry, that does nothing for you. Put him in there with Hercules. Like, there's going to be something more there. You know, this is not, like, the five-star classic of all time, but this is, like, I thought this was a really good match.
0: Yeah. I For me, the beginning is really good. Yeah. The ending is good. There's a middle part that is still a little sinful when it comes to, uh, <laughs> like, oh, they stopped wrestling for a while. I'm going to go yeah. get something to eat, and I'll come back. But that's there's fair. definitely more energy. Uh, There was times that I got lost in the match, like, beginning and end, that was just really good. So I would definitely give some praise to this match as well.
1: Oh, that's very fair. Here's one of my favorite things about Jake matches, and uh, a few people do this. And it always looks good. I love when he goes to the DDT early on, and the other guy like drops down to the mat in a big hurry and like slides out of the ring, and uh, it's such a good little sequence, and it always gets a big pop, uh, and man, just like how well the DDT was presented in this era um, by Jake in particular. And how well it was sold, especially by a guy like Hercules, who can really sell, like, the narrow escape. So good. I love that sequence.
0: Yes, yes. I was doing a fake Jake Roberts promo in my head during the match that I forgot about until you said that. (laughs) But if I was Jake, I would have addressed the fact that, you know, there are more people, like, escaping the DDT and there are more escapes than ever. Or even have Gene Erkeland say that and then Jake say, you know why there are that many escapes and that many attempts? Because the moment I hit the DDT... Don't come back from that, mm-hmm. and that's what this whole match is. It's Hercules running wild to escape the DDT, and as long as he does, Jake Roberts can never be the better man. But the moment you hit the DDT, it's over. It's over, my friend.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that uh, there are <laughs> there's an even better DDT counter uh, towards the end of the match where Jake has like the headlock on, and he's going to drop back, and Hercules just rears back. Like, the magnificent stallion he is. And he throws Jake, like, halfway across the ring to get away from that move. Yes. And it's so great because it looks great, and it's Hercules. And also, like, you believe he got that shot of adrenaline when he knew he was about to get DDT'd, which gave him just, like, extra power to launch Jake, just to kingdom come.
0: You want to look at these guys. that, that That segment, and even how the match starts, them at their best. Jake is a thinker. Hercules is just a wild uncontrolled bumping offense machine like jake goes to the corner the match hasn't even started he bends down he's uh, picking up that bag for no good reason and hercules comes flying stinger splash style but then he goes back first and jake just slides out of the way so then his back hits the corner and then they start that's how they start the match in that in that uh situation
1: and that's great too it speaks to one thing that we've (laughs) it's both true and not true. People talk about psychology in Jake matches, and sometimes I think it's very overrated, but sometimes it actually is great, and this is great because a lot of matches on this card before this started with, like, a sneak attack or a brawl, and Jake being, like, the thinking wrestler that he's supposed to be, yeah, he's probably been watching all this, he knows all about it, and he's gonna be ready because, like, this is what a lot of people do, so the fact that he just slides out of the way so easily like it's very good it's to the credit i think of everybody involved
0: i will continue to say for the rest of this series that one of the great untapped potentials is what they could have done with not only the talent of the person and and the hercules gimmick like there's so much left on the table with this guy
1: absolutely totally agree with that i said before give him the ultimate warrior gimmick and see what happens you know
0: Ultimate Warrior was supposed to have Vader's gimmick, so that's another what-if, if If he had gone to Japan and got the Vader gimmick. The Vader gimmick was made for the Ultimate Warrior, but then he signed with WWF, so they gave it to Vader, or Leon White. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I I see Warrior with that helmet on his head, that's the only part I'll I'll say.
1: (laughs) Uh, Sure, I guess, but man, like, the mask would have looked so weird on him. I guess anything to avoid looking at this guy's real face, but, uh, (laughs) um, what the hell would he have done in Japan? Like, um I, my, I can't wrap my head around that like is he gonna get in there with stan hansen like, he crumple after one clothesline yeah. right he just implode on himself oh my god i
0: think he possibly god. would try to run with the helmet and then fall like head first and that'd be the end of him
1: <laughs> you are dropping some some weird <laughs> stuff on me today like, stuff <laughs> i never knew about rick flair in 88 ultimate warrior is vader like i don't know like I went to the space element today. I went to, uh, it's Mandela effect where like, (laughs) you know, I slipped into a little different universe and now all this stuff is true. That wasn't true before.
0: Mm. (laughs) That's a good way to like ruin two careers. So that's (laughs) ultimate warrior goes to Japan, becomes Vader and Vader goes to WWF and paints his face and runs to the ring. Oh Uh, dear God. Like
1: Vader, Vader and WWF in this era, like actually uh, that would have been great. That would have been amazing. (laughs) Are you kidding? A Vader versus Hogan match where Hogan was actually like good and not a fucking asshole. Yeah. My like, God, that probably would have been Hogan's greatest match that he ever had. Holy. That's the shame is
0: I think wow. there's a possibility to revive Hogan and WCW if he had treated Vader right.
1: Oh, for sure. But man, and, like oh, Vader comes in and like Vader, Randy Savage having a real Vader, match, like the oh, Andre vader andre oh, oh my gosh
0: <laughs> yes that's uh
1: oh wow that's
0: i don't know great. man i want to see vader
1: yeah. fight bad news brown that's
2: what i want to see but,
0: and it uh, would have been because i didn't think because then vader would be a wwf guy so they would have booked him like he matters so
2: yeah
0: oh man i don't know if he could if it could be handled but vader like, this I is again like though
2: video. for
0: everybody though that talks about oh sting man you know already the franchise he could have changed the WWF like go back and listen to our sting conversation and then listen to like two seconds of a suggestion of Vader and what we're already coming up with
1: (laughs) holy smokes man oh wow I like this reality I want to see this where Vader comes here he does great stuff and Ultimate Warrior goes and just is crumpled into a tissue and thrown (laughs) away by one match with Stan Hansen or something. That's what I'd like to see.
0: He only would have had one great match in Japan because Vader did have a feud with Eligante, and I'm sure Eligante would have got him where he needed to go.
1: Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm now imagining Ultimate Warrior versus El Gigante, and I, <laughs> I don't even know him. I can't. You, I can't.
0: Do you, know, how, you know how that one ends, right? <laughs> how the, do you know how the Vader-Elegante match ends? I
2: don't.
0: Uh, Eligante gets dragged over that mask, and the mask shoots out the... Uh, steam into his face.
1: Uh, is that really true? Yeah. <laughs> You're doing it again. All oh, this stuff I didn't know about. This is usually the other way around. I'm very uh, I'm put on the back foot here, but I'm loving it.
0: Yeah, I watched that match. I rewatched that match recently because oh, I had to get so my so. elegante fix. Oh God! One more thing, and then we'll get back to it. <laughs> I am a big fan of the Undertaker. He's had a great career, but I am fed up with people making fun of him and embarrassing him, even indirectly in his old age during these interviews. You know, people forget things. People get mixed up, especially nice people. And then you... I just heard... Oh, God. So he's talking about his WrestleMania matches and how... Like, he had never really wrestled talented people. It's always when they bring in a new Beast, like the Undertaker, <laughs> knew, like, oh, that's going to be my opponent. <laughs> you know, yeah, he never sure. got the Bret Hart's of the era. But then... I don't know who he thought he was talking about. They were talking about his feud with Giant Gonzalez, and he said he all, he wanted to quit the business uh, when he had to wrestle Giant Gonzalez and how bad he is and how the matches could not be fixed. And so I don't know who he was remembering from his history, but he was talking about Elegante. And I was, I, was, I was embarrassed for everybody involved, and I just want to make sure that if you hear that Undertaker interview, I think – just understand he's not actually talking about uh, the great giant Gonzalez.
2: Couldn't be. Of course not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to quit the business. He said he left WCW in part to get away from wrestling elegante. And then... Is
1: that is – that, did he actually say that? Yeah. What the – what? Oh, man. Okay. All right. Whatever. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's not nice. <laughs> jokes but, and,
1: aside, like I don't even – okay. All right. Sure. I know that's the narrative, so I guess probably – Probably some people stood up and applauded when he said that. But, man, yeah. I am not uh, – man, get over it. like.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's why – yeah. And it's also – the man is 7'7". Like, he's already done his job by being born and developing. Like, anything that he did not do was not his fault. Like, someone should have helped him get to where he needed to go. But yeah, he's, he's already – if you bring me 7'7", the rest is on me.
1: Yeah, he can go to the store and buy a naked bodysuit.
2: So let's go on down
0: do That's <laughs> <Yeah>, true. <laughs> They're not going to sit there and talk about the gimmick But yeah, we'll get to that In the Legacy series, that's a few years off Eligante, but he will not be Disparaged in the Legacy series Whether I have to be humorous about it or not We're not going to disparage the great Giant Gonzalez
1: I'm just imagining people who who aren't familiar with our backlog listening to yeah. this segment and trying to figure out what the hell we're talking about. So good luck to you. I'm sorry, we're we're shutting you out of this one.
0: That'll be towards the Lord's <laughs> pain comment section. We're like these two <laughs> these two idiots think that blah blah blah. Yeah, fuck off.
1: Yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> but anyway, Undertaker is. I guess he's supposed to be retired. I don't know if he is really or not
1: again yeah he said something i think in the last ride documentary that like he doesn't see himself wrestling again but i feel like that's been true before so uh, yeah. every time it this is off topic so i'm not going to talk about too much but if i see one more person saying like oh you just got to make it to the next survivor series because that's where he debuted nobody cares about that
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: nobody cares about survivor series and the undertaker um i just i don't believe it's true just let him be done for God's sake um you know all
0: right a right. company that doesn't keep history from last week to this week has to save the undertaker for <laughs> survivor series <laughs> okay just,
1: like i get it in a perfect world it would matter but it just doesn't so survivor
0: series 2010 maybe <laughs> you know yeah. I'd like you for that but
1: there you go that's
0: do not one. bring him back for
2: god's sake all right
0: mm. He got AJ Styles in a gimmick match. Like that is a beautiful way to like get get what's left of him. Do That's not put him I mean, back in drinking.
2: Absolutely not, for God's sake.
0: Okay, so Her- the great Hercules will go down in this matchup. He is he can do a lot of things, but he cannot overcome the DDT. Jake Roberts gets the victory. Jake Roberts is on the rise. Next time we see Hercules, I think he might be in a bit of a different place.
1: Could be, yeah. I don't forget. I forget the exact timing of that, but uh, we could be could be nearby that. Yes. I do want to say the end of this match is beautiful, also, because Jake, the way he segues into that last DDT is just beautiful. It's it's as out of nowhere as any Diamond Cutter or RKO. Like he just slaps that on yes. in this beautiful way, and uh, puts the exclamation mark on a really good match. One of the best Jake Roberts matches we've seen.
0: Yeah, he just slips over the back, and you think we're back to just, like, punching type or short clothesline time, and he just hits that DDT and gets out of town.
1: Yep, good stuff. He hasn't and even put p- the snake on Hercules, that's all you know. It was a good
0: fight. Yeah. So that happens, and then we go into flashback mode. A lot of really good stuff happened, I think, to uh, get us this match. It's just another time where it's, it's just a tag team matchup, but the talents are so big. The history is so deep. They're that when you start watching it, you're like, this is top shelf stuff.
1: Yeah. It's a little misleading because now like a tag team match between big name wrestlers is like the shorthand, super lazy way to like main event your TV show mm. a match that will have big stars, but you don't actually have to care about it because like it doesn't matter. <laughs> and that just, it just wasn't really done at all in this time period uh, or very rarely. So there's none of that stigma on it It's just, like, instead of two giant stars, you get four giant stars in a match. And uh, it's just a totally different vibe. It bears, like, very little resemblance to kind of, like, the main event tag team matches you might see today, which are, like, very throwaway and they don't matter. Like, this, there's a lot that goes into this. This is a very deserving main event of a pay-per-view in this era.
0: It is, and that's a smart analysis because, we are a product of whatever it, we, we are a, a part of. And so you almost have to see this match the wrong way before you can see it the right way. <laughs> because, yeah, I
1: can see that. Like definitely on paper, you would probably
2: think like, Oh, okay. You know?
0: Yeah. throwaway. away it's tag match. And it's sure. leading to like Hulk Hogan versus somebody. But right now they first have to have this tag match. And then that's not it. The, the tag match is the thing.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. They're like, This match itself is the spot. It's like the payoff for a lot of this stuff. This is probably the last big Hogan-Andre confrontation that we're ever gonna see. Um, You know, and that uh, think about all the history that goes into that.
0: Isn't that interesting that Hogan and Savage that there's an Andre Heenan's family team at Survivor Series and there's a Mega Powers team and they're not wrestling each other.
1: (laughs) For sure, I think I I believe. And this may change with the next show, even. I'm not even sure for sure. Um, but I, I think at this point, Heenan has been involved in some way, uh, usually physically, or at least having a client involved in every main event. Uh, oh, no, not WrestleMania um, 4, although Andre was out there. Yeah. But like every, every main event has something to do with Bobby Heenan from WrestleMania 1 with Paul Orndorff was his client, and he was out there all the way up to now. So Bobby Heenan as the chief rival of Hulk Hogan through the 80s. Like, that theory uh, continues to be strong in my mind.
0: Mm, I agree with that. And I WrestleMania 4 is that Bobby Heenan did that main event.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: There's no other way. So <laughs> I don't know what the reason is for this, but it's so beautiful. So there's an announcement made with all the heels are out there that the referee will be Jesse, the body of and they all hold straight faces for like ten seconds before they start laughing and just all kind of other things. <laughs> and it's just so nice. I don't know what that's about, but it, it, it's nice.
1: You got to think like I, I didn't even pick up on that, but you got to think that like they're trying to play it straight, like oh he's gonna be a straight referee, but then <laughs> they they break down and laugh because they know ah he's gonna help us, you know yeah. he's gonna we got him in the pocket so.
0: And this because is again. Like we we, I we think really this jumped ahead,
1: I think, because if you're about to talk about the match, like we gotta talk, I think, about some of these clips before we uh, get into that. That's where I'm at. Oh, okay, yeah, all right, I got gotcha. you.
0: Yeah, that's the first clip is um of the.
1: Oh yeah, 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 okay, yeah. No, I remember.
2: You're right.
0: So this this stuff is so good. It was, and we can go ahead and talk about the clip you sent, but we'll get into all the different clips because yes. what yes. I was about to say is the the matchup and the lead up is just like. I don't, I I can't, I don't have the language because if you say twists and turns, then that also alludes to something that I would probably be down on and not up on. (laughs) It's this one upsmanship of dropping ace cards. Like, how many fucking ace cards can, that like two opponents have in a, in a contest? But it's the referee, it's Randy Savage's partner, it's the attempts at, uh, uh, dictating what happens in the match. So it's just one thing after another, it's just leveling up. The fact that there are bad intentions and things that could happen surrounding this match.
1: Yeah, twists, turns, swerves, all of these have kind of been, uh, they put a bad taste in your mouth because you're just thinking of Vince Russo. So I'll say instead, what they're doing is they're building layers into this match. Mm. Um, This is not some violent uh, twist or swerve that kind of like throws everything off base. Uh, This is craftsmanship. This is uh, you start with a strong foundation, then you put another layer on, you put another layer on, you put another layer on, and you build this great house that you can live in and uh, can't be torn down by a, a, a sudden swerve.
0: Yeah, so you mentioned the Macho Man. Let's talk about that. Macho Man is out there. Uh, with Liz and uh, he will be surrounded or they will be surrounded. Something will happen in this segment.
1: Yeah, I wasn't sure. Um, I didn't have faith they were going to show uh, these clips, but they're getting better about the clips. So uh, I, I put this specifically in the, the thread, because this is the segment that I remember most from the build-up to this match. Uh, it's Savage and Liz, they're out on the little uh, race platform out in the crowd, which I love, by the way. Um, yes. Bobby Heenan and Andre come out which is a nice reunion for them because he and and andre kind of stepped away from each other a little bit now they're back together which you gotta love um savage says to andre uh, that a wave of macho madness surrounds them and i have to pat us on the back and you in particular for talking about how randy savage can surround people all by himself because that is language that he indeed has picked up himself so very good stuff there
0: and he's (laughs) Like he is on the brand, uh, on the uh, or on the platform as prey when he makes that statement.
1: Mm, yeah, absolutely. Like he's the one being threatened, and yet you can't threaten Randy Savage <laughs> without this dangerous aura enveloping you, and you don't know if a second Randy Savage is going to suddenly attack you from behind. Mm. So <laughs> it could happen. I swear, I've seen it. Um,
0: it's so Andre is great in this too.
1: Oh, so great. When is Andre not great? You know, honestly. Yeah. Uh, So Savage is uh, facing down with Andre. DiBiase suddenly runs out. He knocks Savage off the platform. He crashes to the ground. They start just beating the crap out of him. And uh, what really made me remember this is, A, there's something very visceral about it. Like, it's a very savage attack, no pun intended. Uh, And, B, it's one of the best examples, I think, of a babyface, a top babyface, really being put at the disadvantage There are a lot of attempts to do this. Sometimes they work better than others. This one worked really well. You really believe, like, man, Randy Savage is great, but he needs help. He needs backup against these two because they're just so overpowering. You've got Bobby Heenan out there, and he's taking his own shots here and there when Savage is being held by Andre and stuff. So it's very good stuff. I really enjoy this segment, which ends with Andre and Ted doing a, an iconic image to my mind where they bear they grab the hands and legs of savage and like lob him back onto the platform at the feet of miss elizabeth
0: yes and there are two or three people i think women if memory serves mm. when savage is being attacked who are just like screaming at the top of their lungs yeah. in a way that if you walked down the street and saw that that's how you would react to it right. is their fandom reaction to it which tells you that everything is being done right in the business at this moment
2: mm, yeah
0: yeah because that means they care deeply about savage but it also means like you just said they see savage as vulnerable like i don't know if you yelled it like, even if you like hulk hogan as much as you like randy savage i don't know if you react that way when he's getting beat up
2: right yeah
1: absolutely so um although to the other point the crowd here uh, they chant for hogan to come yeah. out and I don't know, when Hogan gets attacked, I don't think they chant for Savage, so, you know, yeah. there's different aspects of their stardom, different aspects of their appeal, it's a very interesting dichotomy.
0: And you are right, so that's the first segment, and then we get the other thing, which is the referee, and then I think Randy Savage announces that he will have the greatest tag team partner that anyone could have, and oh, Randy, that's uh, quite a statement for what's to come, but he makes the announcement to a tremendous reception that his tag team partner will be Hulk Hogan.
1: Yeah. And they're playing it very straight between them, you know, which I think, uh, works well for this story. Um, but I think maybe there's a seed in here that will, uh, that will grow some poison fruit in time. So I'll talk about that a little later on.
0: Yeah. We, I think we both probably will have some, <laughs> some, some lanes to go down to in the, uh, with, with the main event, the mega powers.
2: Okay. All
0: right. So, Brother Love um, has Jesse Ventura on, and Brother Love is antagonizing Jesse Ventura about being afraid of Andre the Giant. So the the schemes that are coming is that Jesse will work with the heels because he's better because he's afraid of Andre the Giant. DiBiase will come out and literally just be stuffing money in Jesse's jacket while he's talking to him. So you see these attempts uh, to buy off, one way or the other, Jesse Ventura in this segment. <laughs>
1: Ventura, I understand why you might take this tactic with Ventura, because I I think he can be uh, capricious. He could be, uh, um, you know, if nobody had approached him, he might have been offended by that. (laughs) And yet, and yet, I think this goes to what you were saying before, is that there's a lot of effort being put in there. Brother Love has his say. Andre comes, and he's a little bit threatening, but Bobby Heenan is, like, very friendly. He's like, oh, Hmm. you know, my friend. He's very buddy-buddy um, DiBiase has his own tactic. He does stiff stick that money in the pocket of Jesse Ventura. So they've all got kind of their own way of trying to influence Jesse Ventura, but it's a lot of effort. And I don't like, you can do all that. And then I don't think you can just sit back and say, yes, Jesse Ventura is going to be on our side. So it's a lot of effort for a very unsure outcome.
0: Absolutely. So, Uh, In positive psychology, it's not that you ignore the negatives or the weaknesses in your life, but the idea is that you figure out what your main strengths and values are and you work from there and you master those. So uh, until you take care of your needs, you can't really work on strengths and values. But once you do, and Jesse Ventura clearly has, you start working on strengths and values and just making a wild guess in the top four values, if not number one on Jesse Ventura's list, I think would be the value of integrity. I think Jesse Ventura sees himself as a as a man full of integrity. So if you know that this man values integrity and you're putting money in his pocket on camera for him to be a referee, he's never going to sell out like that. Um, If you're saying like we will threaten to beat you up if you don't do it, he's not going to respond to that. My argument from this kind of positive psychology lens is that nothing that they could have done would have made Jesse Ventura be corrupt in that match. There's only one way that Jesse Ventura would have screwed the Mega Powers, and that is if he was coming out of the booth and screwing Hulk Hogan, and that still would have been an act of integrity because it would have been, in his mind, eliminating the worst human being in the company.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, for his motivations, I think you're right. The only way, and he is, uh, there's a moment at the end of the match, which is interesting um, because there's nothing really to precede it, And I want to dissect it when we get there. Yes. But yeah, up to that point, it really feels like none of these tactics are really very effective. Like probably Bobby Heenan had the best idea. Yes. Just to like rely on their friendship. Um, And what everyone else did, I think kind of uh, overrode that a little bit. But at the end of the day, it does feel like Ventura, unless provoked, probably wasn't going to do anything, you know, one way or the other. Like he actually was going to call it straight. Uh, in spite of everything because he is a guy like he talks explicitly about cheating like it's part of his catchphrase and everything but there's also like there's a right way to do it in the mind of Jesse Ventura like it's part of the game it's just another tactic it's not just cheating for the sake
2: of it
0: that's 100 percent true he he criticizes more referees than anybody in the business Mm -hmm. so it's also a chance for him to show how a match ought to be officiated right which is big to him and then as you said and that's why again i say if he was going to betray hulk hogan number one i think he sees hulk hogan as a villain and number two like you said that would not be like i am corrupting the match that is i am picking the right time to strike and then you know make this return that i've been hinting at
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely um so it's very nuanced i said earlier on on paper it feels like you don't need Jesse Ventura in this match. And honestly, I don't think you do. I think you could have done this without Jesse Ventura. And yet he's such an interesting character. He's very nuanced in an age where a lot of people not aren't necessarily yeah. that he does actually add something. Um, it, it's better for the match that he is there and that he uh, behaves the way he does.
0: And for better and worse, it really launches the prominent uh, special guest referee that we'll see again and again. And so, you know, we now have a like a major point to come back to. I think we'll see Jesse again. We'll see Shawn Michaels in the Bret Hart Undertaker match. So there's lots of referees to come. And yeah,
1: yeah. They didn't invent it here, but uh, they no. definitely put it on a high, prominent pedestal.
0: Yeah. So then, uh, no entrance theme for the Mega Bucks as that, all, as that group comes down to ringside.
1: <laughs> I like, it's always the stronger member of the team that gets their theme music. So I guess Andre. The stronger member here, his uh, lack of theme music overrode Ted DiBiase's theme. That's
0: a good point. So (laughs) uh, we get Jesse the body Ventura with his. That's when he gets condemned for flexing with clothes on. (laughs) Uh, And we get the the mega powers who if anyone's had a good ovation on this show, we we, then we need new language for like ovations in order to talk about this matchup.
1: Mm, Yeah. Beloved here for sure. Yeah
0: there are times the electricity and energy of this as the match progresses that second half, we will get to it when we get to it, but it's um, okay. So in the early, I think season one of how I met your mother, Barney Stinson creates a mixed uh, tape for, I think new year. So they all can be uh, excited. And he tells them the secret of a good mix tape is it's all rise. So every song is just rise on top of rise and the energy and the moves around this match and this matchup feels like it's all rise mm.
1: yeah no that's that's a great way to put it uh this match builds and builds and builds it feels and uh, the energy of it yeah the star power the aura of it uh it's very impressive this is an excellent match i remembered it very well from when i watched it before it stood up very well here in terms of everything that i remembered
2: yeah
0: and also again with the authenticity early on Jesse's trying to, you know, at least admonish everyone. He's trying to count the five in the corner and he'll have some disagreements, you know, with several people. But the first time that Hogan is with Hogan and Hogan touches him, like as if he's got the loudest mic in the building you here, you get your hands off of me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. Of all the people Ventura has words with, it's Hogan, certainly, who has the biggest uh, complaint immediately before Ventura even does anything, and uh, the tension between them is very palpable. And I was just thinking earlier, how lucky, I think, and this is weird to say, but how lucky for Jesse Ventura that he had to retire when he did, because I don't think the reality of Ventura having a rivalry with Hulk Hogan uh, makes him anywhere near as famous as what we actually got, um, which was sort of like this implied rivalry and this character who could uh build out his different aspects and kind of show off the best of himself on commentary week after week um so in a weird way i think it was actually very fortuitous for ventura that uh, his career took the path that it did
0: i agree and i know there might be people who disagree and that's fine because this is very like when i hear sometimes i hear jesse ventura's ovations and i think about it and i'm like my god just like execute this feud but you know sometimes not doing it does allow it to stand higher than anything that could have been done Mm. and
1: not for nothing but if you've seen jesse ventura wrestle it's like it is not his strong suit like everything (laughs) else he did he was so good at wrestling was not it so like the idea of jesse ventura being a wrestler uh, like the implication of it is much stronger than the reality i think
0: yeah yeah And there are so many threat points in this match. Like Hulk Hogan kind of being gone and then back again puts something a little different on him. And we talked about the announce booth being so far away. Jesse Ventura has been so vindictive against Hulk Hogan from so far away off screen. And now he's walking around in the ring in the match. You know, they got the, is the referee paid off? They've got what is the um, Vega Power surprise? So there's just all these threats and all these potential landmines that could explode at any time.
1: Yeah, and it's credit again to Ventura, because a lot of heel referees, like, you would know what they were going to do before they did it, like, you wouldn't even have to watch it, you know, you could just imagine it, and that would be what it was, like, it would be the most obvious thing ever, but Ventura, you really are stuck wondering, like, what is he going to do, like, this is a guy, he hates Hulk Hogan, he's pro-cheating, yet there is some integrity about him as well, and he does have an idea of, like, how matches are supposed to go, how referees are supposed to act. There are, like, different points of pride pulling on Jesse Ventura. And we, we talked before about how genuine pride, like, that genuine feeling of pride yeah. adds so much to a character, to a match. Um, so it, it's really beneficial here.
0: I like that a lot, the points of pride pulling. So Hulk Hogan's another one that you can like or not like what he does, but there are points of pride. Randy Savage is another one, so... Mm-hmm you got all these points of pride being tugged in every which direction. <laughs> Even Hogan and Savage are having a bit of a dispute because Savage wants to start the match, you know?
2: Right,
0: yeah. <laughs> like not, it, it's hard, and, and in my mind, it's like, okay, so is it going to be Hogan and Andre, or is it going to be Savage and DiBiase? And then I'm shocked, and then Gorilla Monsoon is shocked because Randy Savage wins out and Hogan gets on the apron, and he turns around, and to his shock, Andre the Giant is starting on the other side, so it's Savage and Andre starting the match. <laughs>
1: So much good stuff nothing is worse for wrestling and really for any kind of performance but wrestling in particular since we're talking about it than a feeling that the things that are happening don't really matter mm-hmm. um that like the behaviors it doesn't matter if they behave one way or another it doesn't matter like what happens in the match uh, even if you get great incredibly skilled technical athletic you know all this great stuff it's only going to go so far if you feel like the things that happen are not going to have consequence. And this is a match. Maybe this is the strongest thing about the match is that you feel a lot of consequence for everyone involved with everything they do. Like it all matters very much to all five people involved
2: in this.
0: Yeah. And this is why it's so hard to point this out because again, like the argument seems so stale like this or that you talk about having 40 riders and the wrestlers not coming up with anything you can't always critique that kind of style on what you're seeing. You have to critique it on what you're not seeing. Mm. So what is the difference between Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan? One of them starts because, you know, in tag matches, somebody starts. So here's the person starting versus having like this constant across the ring, back and forth disagreement about who starts first. Mm. Now, which one of those is more real and alive and like you're out there for the first time in that setting versus you're doing a tag match?
2: Right. Right. Yeah.
0: It's every little deep. This is what we talked about with Bret Hart and Demolition. Like, what are you doing when the camera's not on you or you're not on or you're just on the apron or you get thrown to the floor? You know, what are you doing in every single moment out there? And the more that it can feel like I am in a fight for my life because that's what I I do for a living you know, then I've got to pay attention. Like, I I have to pay attention to this matchup before it starts to understand what's going on.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everything, again, is so engaged. It's the engagement we talked about before. Um, And there's really, this is the benefit, I think. um, There's a lot of emphasis now in wrestling to be, like, play to the camera. And I get that, because that's, like, you know, the bigger audience. Like, a million people might watch you on their screen as opposed to a thousand in the, in the arena. But this is a generation where a lot of times, like the arena was the only thing you were playing to. And the arena is going to be looking at you all the time. Like there's never a time you're not off camera when people are staring at you from a live audience. And I think, I feel like that breeds such a better sense of like connectedness to the character, just to be on all the time, off camera like doesn't exist it's not even a concept for you you got to be performing non-stop when you're out there and that forces you yeah to fill in the gaps of like what happens when i'm not directly in the spotlight and it does make for a better wrestling performance uh in many many ways
0: yeah i was never polled about wanting the wrestlers to play to me at home (laughs) you know (laughs) i want you to play to the person standing across the ring from you
2: right right
0: like it's, it's more alluring to see someone it's like in every area like if you're in a relationship and the only thing you ever see is like oh i'm acting predictable because this is my gimmick i am playing to this like that's not attractive It's like seeing someone seemingly called off guard or coming back or even like like the world wouldn't end if you're if if like you get knocked out of the the spotlight of the main camera <laughs> mm,
1: yeah right
0: and Do I've heard a lot still of wrestlers. Exist? I've heard a lot of wrestlers in one way or another say that they have they've done promos where they didn't really understand what they were saying or why they were saying or that what their character's motivation is mm, yeah you know, but you can bet everybody in this matchup knows what their motivation is mm. it's it's palpable. It's scary. Billy Graham has his best uh, line of the night when Hogan and Andre gets in. He says, this is a bitter feud that will never quit.
1: <laughs> it is a good line, uh, and it's very true. It has that benefit
2: as well.
0: So this one, Jesse Ventura, you can make an argument, maybe giving a little more leniency to the heels. And I don't know how much of that's even true or how much is a product of who's in the announce booth. But, you know, for the most part, like, it's not getting out of control. So, you know, the threat is there, but the behavior is not absurd to match like in case you don't understand like the threat that we have uh, you know kind of implied with the match here's jesse being absurd in the first minute
2: <laughs> you know
0: it's none of that
2: right yeah
1: it's played out very well um the end uh, of this match is very um interesting uh, so <laughs> the whole sequence runs hogan has like ted in a sleeper hold savage gonna jump down on andre Andre lifts up the boot and just impales Randy Savage, which I I love when that spot looks good. It looked very good here. Uh, Andre does the bit where he uh, grabs Hogan from behind, which at this point is iconic because he always does it the same way. and It's always effective, so why wouldn't you keep doing it? Uh, He pulls him off. He goes out of the ring as well. It looks like Jesse Ventura is going to count them out. And here's the secret weapon. That nobody expected, because why would you expect this? Liz gets up on the apron, and she takes off her skirt to reveal her underwear, I guess. <laughs> or just, like, her regular wrestling trunks. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Ventura seems, like, stunned by this. Dibiase and Andre are both like, what? Like, what are you do? Like, what is going on? Like, they're very um, confused about this. And in a kind of a cringy moment to me, we get this shot of Savage and Hogan doing their like cheeky handshake. <laughs> like they, like they pulled off this brilliant scheme. Oh man. So they go back into the ring. They knock Andre out. He takes a big bump out. They, they knock down Ted DiBiase and Hogan like stands on his neck as Savage leaps down on him. Mm. Ventura counts to hesitates and Savage just like pushes his hands down for the three, which was the only clear sign in the whole match that Ventura had a bias. And it's a bit of, it's a weird bit of nuance, but I covered a lot just now. So let's, let's dig into all this uh, stuff that just happened.
0: Yeah, a lot of things. So again, go back and watch this match too, because the fan yes. reaction is off the charts. Very you you this DBossi begs off Hogan like, like you're having Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Uh, there's some Andre Savage stuff. I think seeing those crossing, like seeing Hogan cross with DiBiase and Savage cross with Andre was very rewarding. But also pay attention to the fact that, that Hogan is killing Randy Savage in reception for the first half of the match. But everything from the hot tag from Hogan to Savage back, and they both are on just equal footing where they are just blowing the top off the building uh, every few seconds. It, there's an aliveness uh, to this matchup. There is that the sequence that... Uh, Ms. Fan laid out. I think that what worked in this time is, you know, you got to take it for the time that was in, and it was Elizabeth <laughs> very much breaking character and getting out of character. And I think the thing I like most about it is what I've already said earlier is that the Mega Powers, which is probably supposed to be the greatest babyface team of all time, had a plan in place that they had to execute that was banked on the fact that they would be bested by their opponents. <laughs>
1: yeah um and i just want to make it clear even though this is sort of ridiculous um it works like it works tremendously well like you said the fan reaction is big um you do get a set like like you said it's very out of character for liz to do this um so even though it's sort of silly on paper something about it like they they pull it off no pun intended um (laughs) (laughs) so And it is interesting, too, because I didn't even think, like, you have to assume this was, like, a backup plan, but they almost treat it like it was the main plan. Like, okay, we're going to have a point where we're, like, about to lose, and we have to get to that point so that Liz can uh, do this spot. Um, So, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. What I want to know the most, though, is how, like, in the strategy session, how did this come about? (laughs) Who who pitched this first? I have this weird feeling Mm. that Hulk Hogan pitch this in the strategy meeting. Like, okay, so if we're losing, what if your girlfriend takes off her pants and like <laughs> reveals herself? And um like I don't it's, it seems like an awkward conversation to have. Was Liz in that conversation or did they just come to her and be like, hey, we want you to uh, expose yourself <laughs> uh if we get in trouble. I don't know. I
0: like the hug, hug and also pinch. Uh, and obviously you can't pick her up and sit her back down by yourself. So I'll be grabbing her throughout the entirety of the aftermath.
1: Yeah, there's the seed. Um, so we yeah. will get, I want
0: to save that for, cause that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> because that oh, is man. again, like who strikes for who strikes first in this and it's clearly Hulk Hogan. Um, but yeah, it, it is such a, but I think as we are talking about it, one thing I want to make clear is that Randy Savage and Elizabeth, are doing everything that they can mm. just to try to fill the role that Hulk Hogan seemingly does effortlessly. Yeah. Like, Liz taking off her dress is the equivalent of some of the things that we're seeing. Just the not only the desperation of Savage, but Savage looks pitiful at times. Like, you will get Savage just being beat up to Hulk Hogan chants as a, as a regular event. Mm, so, yeah. the First Lady and the Macho Man... Like, it's amazing how low they have to be dragged down and what resources they have to go to in order just to try to stand where, sadly, and this is what I'll get to at the end, maybe Hulk Hogan is simply allowing them to stand. Mm. Or now. Yeah. So that's something I think that there's something beautiful. This has nothing to do with anything, but I saw a Sherry interview yesterday and. Elizabeth and Savage give her a gift on the night of WrestleMania seven before that matchup where there's the breakup of Savage and uh, Sherry and, and the return of Liz. Mm, interesting. So it's just what they give to this. And again, if you want to make one more thing, like Elizabeth being naked as the, as the stand in, how many naked Hulkamaniacs are there over the years? Unfortunately, uh it's a different kind of nakedness but if liz is kind of the hulkamania the savage like these these awful fans that kind of like are part of this Hulk Hogan brand like their nakedness and how they react in the arena is is far worse than um elizabeth's uh support of randy savage in this (laughs) matchup
1: (laughs) yeah no all good points um so yes it's it's going when savage gets paranoid later I'm definitely going to think back to this uh, segment, to this plan that was concocted to the way Hogan uh, reacted and uh, acted over yeah. time. I can't stress enough, like, that handshake was just, like...
0: Hogan is so gross in all of this.
1: Uh, he is,
0: yes. And um, But it's, it's a strategic, again, Like, this is the thing that I get in the 80s that, you know, in the 90s, it's just on-his-face ridiculous, and there's no tension, and there's no pushback. This is so... Deceptive because the mega powers explode. I think three times before the show ends. But it's always like <laughs> Hulk Hogan is doing something that's, that that it feels like he's taking things past Elizabeth and Savage, especially Savage's comfort zone. Right. And then Savage turns around and has like an unfavorable look, and then Hogan either hugs him or shakes his hand, and then it's better for a moment. And then <laughs> Hulk, Savage turns around again and is angrier the next thing, and so, and Hogan soothes it over, but he keeps on doing it, and so. Here's one thing I want to ask, and I don't know. This came up when I was watching it. Ted DiBiase was a professional wrestler who could have tried to wrestle the belt away from Hulk Hogan, but he never did it. Mm. What what he wanted instead was someone to stand in between him and actual opponents to hold the belt so that he could get the belt in a way that was safe and guaranteed for him. Mm. Without even knowing it on Savage's part... Is this entire year, this entire reign of Randy Savage, is he being Andre the Giant to Hulk Hogan's Ted DiBiase? Yeah. There's a part of me that thinks Hulk Hogan left to go do movies, but wanted a backup plan that the belt could be his, and you know, there's no guarantee if it's Andre that's got it or DiBiase. So he is supporting Savage in so much as he needs someone to stand in with the belt that he can easily and deliberately not only get a matchup with, but turn the guy in the process. It feels like there's at least a possibility that Savage and Hogan were never friends. And Savage is at best Hogan's Andre the giant as Ted DiBiase.
1: There's a possibility of that for sure. Um, I don't know. It's a very interesting relationship because we go back to WrestleMania four and Savage was uh, giving credit to Hogan before Hogan even like, you know, left the ring um and where's where's the opposite of that i don't know but hogan uh he did help savage win the title did he do it for his own selfish reasons yes i would think so but um i don't know the relationship between them is very uh nuanced for sure
0: one thing is a fact that randy savage has been able to lift liz and the sitter back down (laughs) without assistance um, on other shows (laughs) so that's just for what it's worth can't doubt
1: that can't doubt that last thing that i touched on briefly and i want to bring it up again here the the hesitation from ventura at the end uh is very interesting to me because like i said there was really no sign before this that ventura was going to uh not play it straight or not play it mostly straight so was there a plan in ventura's mind or what i'm thinking about this and just just right now i'm thinking i don't think ventura maybe even intended to hesitate but I think it was so hard for him to actually count three for Hulk Hogan, a guy he despises. Yes. That he just, like, he couldn't bring himself to do it immediately. Um, so, I don't know. It's just one last, like, little little layer to that story, to that character. And I think it came off very
2: well.
0: I love that segment. I love you bringing that up. And I think if you watch the tape, it looks to me like he's counting three without Randy Savage.
2: mm yeah, but I it's
0: think, just like this He would have hes- done it
1: in the end, and that's the integrity we were talking about. But yeah. still, there's a big hesitation, and yes. uh, you just don't know for sure.
0: I think there's a big moment of, oh my God, not only are they going to win, but Hulk Hogan did it, and I'm going to give Hulk Hogan the victory. <laughs> and I think it's sickening to him. And I think that he deliberately pauses, it, and if anything that could have happened would have happened, then he would have escaped it. Mm, yeah. But. It's a combination of Savage dropping his arm, but you, I would just watch the tape, and it looks like the arm's dropping eventually anyway with, before Savage even gets his hand on it. So, as anybody's that. guess.
1: And it comes up again. It's that... It's it's related to that point of pride thing because, A, I think in Jesse Ventura's worldview, he thought, well, if someone actually came in here and did their job properly, um, yes. Hogan would actually not win, and I'm going to expose that there was like a bias for him this whole time. And that ended up, it couldn't happen. And also, um, if Jesse Ventura had been in the booth and he had seen a referee get, like, gobsmacked by a a, a woman, I think he would have torn that referee, you know, a a new hole. He does it to the (laughs) the
0: announcers.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So Ventura has to confront a a failing of his own pride here, and it's (sighs) a lot. like He has to deal with a lot between that two count and that three count. (laughs)
0: That's so That's so good because, yeah, there's so many – and this is the authenticity of this is that, okay, he allowed himself to be distracted. Like, who cares if DiBiase and Andre are distracted by Liz? Like, they can do that. It's, it's Jesse's, been, Jesse's the only one who needs to keep doing his job, which is to count out the people. So mm-hmm. he failed, and thus he created the situation where he has to make that count, and he has to reckon with that even in real time. Mm-hmm. And the complication of this not being good and bad and and this and that, but being competing narratives. You made the statement that he probably believes from the booth, if there was a fair referee, Hulk Hogan would not be where he is in his career. And yet he has to count Hulk Hogan as the victor. But also, and yet, if he had not been distracted, it might have been proven wrong because Hogan and Savage would have been counted out. And that is so weird, and that's not what usually would have happened. So. He, 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 he's 100% right, he's 100% wrong, and that's why these narratives for both sides just keep rolling on and on and on because there's so much truth and so much deception in all of them.
1: Yeah, no, there's, there's a huge amount of stuff that comes in that little moment. Um, and it's great, like, when, when Liz does her thing, it, Ventura is really the one who is the most stunned, Yes. Like he doesn't he he doesn't know how to react and DiBiase and Andre they're like gesticulating and they're like they're almost like come on keep going like keep counting. Yeah. And uh it's Ventura who drops the ball really, which is so hard for a guy like Ventura to swallow, I think that he would ever drop the ball like this. So so yeah, I don't know. You can imagine like the lump in his throat when he's trying to make this three count and knowing that it's not right, but man, when the pressure's on in that moment, like, you know, the show has to keep going. You almost, <laughs> I was wondering, he's trying to think in that two count, like, should I maybe, like, do a disqualification instead? Should yeah. I, like, bail on this three count? And, you know, it's just one of those moments where a lot of weight suddenly descends, and uh, what happened happened, and you can't can't change it now. So, it's, uh, it's a great moment, though. Mm.
0: It is. And that's great analysis. It's also one more point of pride because I don't think I would be thinking about this if I was in Cherry. But he's gonna to count to three and get the hell out of there. But is there a moment where he's thinking not only do I have to count to three, but then I have to stand there and lift Hulk Hogan's hand in the air?
1: <laughs> I think it was his protest that he uh, did not do that. Yeah. He protested their uh their behavior, their their tactics. <laughs> and for all of the crap they give to every manager who ever caused the distraction, who even breathed or moved the wrong way, here they have Liz just yeah. disrobing herself <laughs> to completely throw the match off. And it, again, it, this is not about morals. It is not even about huh? specific behavior. This is about whose ox is being gored, as the saying goes.
0: And what an era where you can legitimately consider the Mega Powers as one of the greatest tag teams in the history of wrestling as far as, like, big-name impact, and you also can say at the same time, they might not have even been better than their opponents at SummerSlam.
1: Yeah, the Mega Bucks, great tag team.
0: That's a fascinating thing, because, you know, they were bested in a lot of ways by DiBiase and Andre. And again, you want to keep on with this Andre narrative. Like, Andre is (laughs) damn near without blemish in his wins and losses and in his morality. Like, he is, if someone's moral in this era... At many times like it's Andre's just like the best of the best
2: yeah
0: you know it's like a video game where the main character is like up and coming but they have a mentor or someone who's better than them and by the time that they get to their level you introduce that that mentor had a mentor and that mentor that had a mentor is Andre the Giant and it doesn't matter how big Hogan gets or Andre gets or DiBiase gets or Warrior gets like behind them all it inside this world there's it, just andre the giant and he just engulfs it all
1: he's towering for sure all right last thought on the match we we talked about how oh, hogan and savage got bested a little bit uh, i'm just going to float out the, the theory that maybe hogan got bested on purpose so that he could uh, mm-hmm. see liz take her pants off so that's that's all there's a
0: possibility so because this is also this is <laughs> If my memory is... Because I, I purposely don't remind myself of this stuff because I won't remember it in real time. But I think Hogan and Savage are going to be in a team and Liz, Liz is going to get knocked out yep. and Hogan's going to leave ringside with her.
2: Yep.
0: So this feels almost like... I feel like we're getting a lot of dry runs about if I do a Randy Savage reacts this much and this far. <laughs> I think that Hogan... And you can say that because I don't know whose fault, this, that, the other, like how much is planned, how much is not... But it's just within Hulk Hogan's way of being, like, if he wants to be world champion ever again, he doesn't want to wrestle babyface versus babyface, and he doesn't want to turn heel. So Randy Savage will have to turn heel for this to happen. Mm-hmm. And so it really does start to feel like that he wants, with at least within his understanding and his power, that should I want to make that happen, I know exactly how much formula or ingredient we need to get it there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we talked um, in the, the forum thread a little bit. I thought this was interesting about uh, the similarities and differences between Savage and Hogan, like when they get mad about something. Um, and it was the line you said last time about the bear traps that Savage sets for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made the comment that Savage, uh, he'll, 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 he'll look for, like, signs of danger and then he'll pump those signs of danger up to, like, a million percent just to like, hype himself up and to, to burn his fire as hot as he can. But Hulk Hogan, like he's out to, to create problems with himself where they don't even exist. Like There's not even a spark of danger there, and he will uh, go out of his way to make dangers out of former friends and allies. We've yes. seen it with Orndorf and we've seen it with Andre, and we've seen it uh, before and again. So, so the difference between the dangers to Hulk Hogan is these are dangers that he really uh, is creating from nothing, whereas Randy Savage will at least look for something real, and then uh, he will kind of um, feed that fire until it is raging.
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is why I have have tried to to introduce this side of Randy Savage that has whatever this insecurity is, whatever this humanity is, because I like getting lost in the fire, I like getting lost in the space element, but there's a Randy Savage that has kind of just put him like going down on his knees in reverence. Like from the day that Hulk Hogan got eliminated, it was you know Hogan got you know cheated in a tournament that you're gonna win, and like he has, he's kept Hogan on that pedestal, just to try to stand in in that space. Yeah. And Hogan's gonna take advantage of that. Like Hogan knows his insecurity. You know Savage's insecurity. So, you know how is it that Hulk Hogan will beat Randy Savage? At WrestleMania Five, but we need The Ultimate Warrior to lose to Sergeant Slaughter for Hulk Hogan to get, to get his belt back. Because <laughs> for all of the bad of The Warrior, and this is not even a compliment, because most of the time this would suck. But The Warrior is a self-centered, like he has no loyalty, no allegiance. There's nothing about him that says Hulk Hogan gave me a match, so I'm better give him a rematch, or I might not be as good as him. He is equal parts ignorance and fake smart and neutrality and all these things that Hulk Hogan can never do to the ultimate warrior what he did to Randy Savage Mm. and Uh, ultimate warrior owes Hulk Hogan a rematch and there's no pressure on the ultimate warrior Savage owes Hulk Hogan nothing. And there's nothing but pressure on Randy Savage for the entirety of this run.
1: And yet uh, you kind of alluded to it. He put it uh, on himself because uh, the moment Hogan's out of that tournament Yes, they're praising Hogan. So, OK, you, you think Hogan was cheated. You, you, yeah. You're you praising him. Where's his title shot? So, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so
0: this is that it's, it's that thing, though. And I think we'll talk we can talk more about Sky in the forums because we're talking about that. I think if there wasn't a space element, we could talk about Randy Savage because there's there's I think for me with the Sky element weirdly enough you need to look for awful insecurity because the sky element is such a um idealistic they want the world to be better than it can be they want to be bigger they want to do all these things but one of two things are going to happen number one you probably could never get there and then number two if you got there what the hell would you have if if your whole life is trying to get somewhere that's beyond you and you get to it you know (laughs) Eddie Guerrero to me is partly like that, and Eddie Guerrero is gonna have such a horror. Like Shawn Michaels is kind of like that, and it's people that have horrible experiences a lot of times with the world title, even though that they're they're gonna do all they can to get there. Mm. And so, there's something so complicated about Randy Savage, and there's something so simple about Hulk Hogan's agenda and all of this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. this
1: guy uh, is a precarious place to rest, so uh, I yeah. understand it. Yeah. It,
0: and ho- oh man, this is great stuff, but this is we watched one tag match and this is all that, we- that we've talked about out <laughs> of that one tag match.
1: What a tag match. Uh so yes, that is SummerSlam, the very first one uh show that is uh I think very good in the back half, um week in some areas, but uh it's got a lot going for it. Uh I enjoyed it, you know. I-, I don't know as far as the firsts go, I don't know where it ranks, but I think uh they did reasonably well for themselves.
0: Yeah, I'd have to think about that. So, WrestleMania 1 and then Royal Rumble. It's just so weird because Royal Rumble is not even what it's going to be. Right, yeah. Like, I mean, r- SummerSlam is
1: not exactly what it's going to be either because we do have this conceit of, like, the big tag match. It's going to continue for several years. And, of course, that's not really what it's going to be after a certain point. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. Things change, but uh, it's very interesting.
0: I have no idea if this is true. It just popped in my head. I wonder how much of the darkness of Randy Savage's Macho King is going to be a result of what he allowed to happen during this year.
1: Hmm. It's very interesting. So Game of Thrones, you know, <laughs> you have to kind of uh, <laughs> reap what you sow uh, while you're, while you're on top, while you're in charge, ostensibly.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: We'll talk about it as we go. I think we're getting close to our time here, but uh, any other points you want to make before we wrap this up
0: no, just for whatever reason, this feels like one that I just want you. The three or four matches that we talked about, like I thought like you need to watch them for yourself because it's such an alive, especially just just watch them and then yeah, join the conversation if you want. But this is a great experience uh, covering the first SummerSlam.
1: Yeah, yeah, do hope you will check it out. All right, that I think is all we have for today. Next time we will be coming up on another episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. I'm sure we'll have some bonus content as well on the card itself. We do have Jake Roberts taking on Rick Roode, and I know we are going to cover that great segment that kicks off this feud, so keep an eye out for that. Also, Demolition taking on the Heart Foundation again in a rematch of a match that was already good. Uh, Haku is now the king, as we have talked about a little bit in the forums, and he will be taking on Hulk Hogan, managed by Miss Elizabeth, uh, with uh, no Randy Savage in sight, so that will be very interesting as well.
2: Uh,
1: uh, big, uh, big Boss Man on this card, few other ones for sure. Um, yeah, no, it's going to be very good stuff, so do look forward to that. All right, uh, if you ever want to shout us out, I am on Twitter, I'm at SpectralGent. Give me a shout, give me a follow. Also, check out the great conversation in the forums. That's www.lopforums.com. Be sure to type that whole thing with the www. You might not get there. Or navigate through our front page, which is uh, WrestlingHeadlines.com. Last but not least, definitely listen to all the other great programs on LOP Radio. A lot of great stuff, great conversation going on there. Hope you will join us for everything. That is all we've got. That is the first SummerSlam in the bag. 1988 rolls on. Until next time, Mystic, take us
0: home. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch. Revisit. Rewrite.
3: I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The Undiscovered Creature The Undiscovered Creature I never saw this one in books or heard a myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen every life form But there it is, an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared The Undiscovered Creature Stripes and salted tears. I knew that these were just its cautionary features. Keep telling myself nothing to fear. It's just an undiscovered creature coming up to meet ya. He's the one that's scared. It's just an undiscovered creature coming up to meet ya. He's the one that's scared. Undiscovered Creatures